Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Ram the Tail podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this is our special Comic-Con 2013 episode, which we've appropriately given the comic booky title of The Adventures of Comic-Con 2013. You could go ahead and ignore the weird grammar. Comic, the, the, the expo did not go on an adventure anywhere. It's our adventures at the expo, but it sounds better and it, you get the point. Anyway, pretty much this entire episode is going to be relating to that huge pop culture conference that just happened down in San Diego, the conference that is Comic-Con, and we'll be uh, switching up our usual episode format specifically to handle the influx of impressions and news from the Expo. So what we're going to do is, uh, we well, obviously we were there, first of all. If you couldn't tell from our extra we posted on Roundtown.com the other day, we were there, we took a bunch of photos, and we played a bunch of games. So we're going to start by talking about those games. We're going to give our impressions of a huge assortment of first and third party titles that we played for Wii U and 3DS. Then we're going to switch gears a bit and talk about uh, the news that happened both at Comic-Con and during Comic-Con. Plus a few little stories, you know, such as like the Nintendo Direct Mini that happened and uh, some other stories that have happened since, including a kind of uptick in uh, Wii U third party support. So we'll have all that. We're gonna. Have, I'm gonna do my sales corner, just sales corner, looking at June sales numbers, and then we will wrap up with, as we promised last episode, uh, the our impressions of the new Street Pass Plaza DLC, all the new games. So it's a lot. Uh, I guess we should just get started. The easiest way to like figure out what you want to listen to, we have timestamps as we always do at RamTunnel.com. You can jump right to the games you're interested in. You can, you know, the news you're interested in. Do that. And be sure, if nothing else, be sure to listen to the end of this episode. Ideally, you'd be here the whole ride. But if nothing else, listen to the end because we have a special giveaway we're doing. Limited edition, Comic-Con exclusive, Pikmin 3 t-shirt. It actually says Comic-Con on the shirt and it has a big red Pikmin. And it's pretty cool and we're giving one away. So we'll explain how you can win at the end of the episode. won't but be yeah, too hard. It won't be too hard at all. It's actually very easy. But... In fact, if you just go around town.com right now, you could probably read how to do it and save yourself the time. But why would you do that? You want to hear impressions. So let's start with those impressions, shall we? So, um... So what did you play, Jason? Well, first... There one, were lots of games. There were there. lots of games. One thing to note, actually, is we're going to... Like, for this... There are a lot... There's, it's basically Nintendo's E3 lineup at Comic-Con. And we played some of that at the Nintendo Experience at Best Buy back during E3. So if you want impressions... Like, we're not going to touch them, I don't think. But if you want impressions of Super Mario 3D World... Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, Wind Waker HD, and even Mario Kart 8, which actually wasn't at Comic-Con, I recommend tuning into episode 46, which we called uh, Hands-On with E3 2013, where we run through all those games. So this is going to be games we didn't talk about. So I think the one I'm most excited about that I played was probably uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, the 3DS Zelda title that's coming out in November. Um, So since you actually finally got to play it, how much does it actually feel like the Super Nintendo one? Actually well, it does kind of look and feel like the like the look of it. Granted, it's in 3D now and it's a little more cartoony, but it does. It you can see it looks like it looks like a Link to the Past. I mean, I played a dungeon straight out of Link to the Past. It was a Tower of Hera. They swap. I mean, it's a totally new layout, but it's the same location. So you know, it has kind of a similar look just now in 3D. But the, the one with the the circle monsters that bump you out. Mm-hmm. Ah, right. Yeah, the ones on like the little chain link. Or, like, you're on a chain link platform and they kind of push you around. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. But, oh, chain link and it's link. Ha, pun. Anyway, no. Um, but, yeah, the thing the thing with this is, I mean, it looks like A Link to the Past. It kind of plays like A Link to the Past, but it plays like A Link to the Past if it was, like, 
on speed or something. Like, it's just so much, like, faster and more, like, action-y feeling in a way. Like, it's running at 60 frames per second, first of all, in full 3D, which looks cool. That was like, it looks smooth. Minor, minor, minor gripes against Super Nintendo 1 that Link yeah. felt too slow when he was... Oh, he's moving. fast And now. then he's, I mean, and obviously you can't really control him now when he's doing the Pegasus shoes, so... Yeah. No, he's fast and controllable now. It actually kind of, like has almost a platformery vibe to it. Like, there are literally segments of the tower where, uh, if anyone's seen the trailer, like, if you've seen the trailer for the game, Jose, you know the how um, there's those moving platforms that Link has to move across? Yeah, you paint, yeah. You, you paintify yourself to yeah, the you, boss, you, you go on the moving platform. Yeah, well, the speed at which that happens, it feels like a Mario level. Like, it literally feels like a Mario platform. So you're on the platform. This is about three stories into the tower, like, three stories up. You're on the platform. Your Link, a wall's approaching. In a Mario game, you would jump over the wall. Or you'd, like, run on a side path or something. In this one, you go on the wall as the uh, painted Link or the Hyrule Glyphic Link. And uh, you kind of scurry around the wall and they come back to the platform. And they have to do that a bunch of different times. And some of the, you know, some of the walls don't move. Some move up and down. Some move left and right. And that's how you navigate. Like, you need to know which wall, you know, which wall panel to get on and where it goes to. And that's how you can climb the tower when you're not using the uh, hammer item within the tower to bounce you. And this whole idea of, like, climbing the tower... Is actually like it's really cute. Like it's super really cute. cute. I said oh, cute. cute. Really cute. Sorry, that did sound cute. It's so adorable <laughs> climbing a little tower as a little tiny elf. No, it's a. Uh, it's really key to like the whole. The game is very vertical or like verticality is a big part of the game. I mean, I linked to the past three D. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, when I played it, the thing I tweeted was three D works on two levels. It looks great and it factors into that vertical gameplay because really you're constantly going up. Like, the tower, the rooms themselves in the tower are not that big. It's literally, like, a single room, and you try to figure out how to get to the next level of the tower, be it going against the wall and climbing out a window to get to the platforms outside, using the hammer to hit the little springy dudes, enemy guys that launch you, using your sword or your bow and arrow to knock a, you know, knock a um, wall barrier down, that sort of thing. It's, it's all about climbing the tower. So, it's, it, it, it's kind of like a Link to the Pass in that regard, because Link to the Pass had layers, to the tower, to, you know, its levels and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, but this one, they really play it up. Like, when you go up a level, Link kind of, like, jumps up the, up and out of the screen. Like, his head, like, pops out of the screen. So it really plays up the 3D. And the 3D looks great. Like, when you whack enemies, they'll kind of, like, fly, or, you know, they won't just, like, knock aside. They'll kind of, like, fly out of the stage a little. So it, it looks really cool. But, um, one of the changes that no one's really talked about with A Link Between Worlds, I thought was actually really interesting and helps with the faster gameplay is that you don't actually have to have inventory for your items. Everything's controlled by a meter now, like a magic meter or something. And this is primarily... This is primarily so there. you don't buy any more arrows? or There's no arrows. Primarily... Is not just for the demo, or...? Well, Bill Trennan, uh, Nintendo's director of product marketing, was doing a demo of the game that I was watching, you know, after I played it and pointed out... Like, I didn't even know. So when I was playing, I was, like, just shooting arrows and not thinking, gee, there's no limit. But uh, he mentioned in the, dem- in the uh, demo that he was doing that there is literally no limit. It's all this meter. Because it's all about speeding up that gameplay. Hmm. They're trying to change it a little. So what they're doing now is the meter, I presume, was created for the, paint- the wall painting link. Because when you go against the wall, you obviously can always stay against the wall for X amount of time. So the meter is your measurement of that. But then I guess they decided to throw in the items too. So now you can choose as many arrows as you want, but the meter runs out. That's it. And obviously each arrow takes up a chunk of the meter. Probably not a lot. But still, some. So it's about... It's a lot more like... not. It's it's 
it's management, it's resource management, but not in the same way as other Zelda games where you have to go find an arrow or go buy an arrow. It's more just like timing, which so, kind of adds so to the more spam, basically. Yeah, it kind of, but it adds to the more like fast. It really like I didn't even, you know, at the time I was playing, I didn't notice it, but looking back, it really did add to that faster pace feel of the game because you're not like re-equipping items, you're not like going, oh, I can't use this item anymore. You're just juggling what you're doing with how much is left on your meter, and the meter obviously recharges on its own, but. It makes it way more actiony, and of course, there's still puzzles and whatnot. Like the whole moving platform thing is definitely a bit of a puzzle because you have to figure out which platforms are going which ways. But yeah, it's definitely um, faster. It just feels a lot faster. It feels a lot more like, even though it's really the same as Zelda, it feels a lot more like action-packed. Sounds a little more appealing because of that. Yeah, you're not big on 2D Zelda's, right? Just Minish Cap. That's it. Right. But, um... Man, that game... Yeah, you could roll and travel fast in that game. Yeah, no, this one seems to be taking that cue a little. Yeah, uh... It it was really fun, though. The 3D looks really good. Um, I only got to play the Tower of Hera. I couldn't do the overworld. But I noticed in Tower of Hera that you can actually put Link as wall painting Link on literally any wall you can find. I assume that's true for the overworld as well. I'm pretty sure any rock face would probably work. But I thought it was interesting that, like, it didn't matter what the wall texture was, he could go on it. The only thing he couldn't do is some walls would crumble away, like you see, like, missing bricks on the edges of the walls. He couldn't pass that. That was, like, a barrier. But you can attach to any wall. You just might not be able to go anywhere once you do. So that's kind of how they put the invisible walls in to make sure you go the right way. But it's very very minor. It's just, like, you know, they just don't want you endlessly going around the outside of the stage or something when you're doing the moving platforms. So... So that's uh, that's in a nutshell a link between worlds. I'm super excited about it. I really enjoyed it now. Like I, I'm the type of guy who like I get excited about Zelda games and I start playing them and I really enjoy them, but then I just kind of stop randomly. Like the exceptions being Wind Waker and Four Swords are probably the two I played the furthest. Well, Four Swords is short, but it's probably the two I played the furthest. But this one, like just the fact that it was so much like I don't know, everything just felt more like compact. Like I, I, I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. The demo is great. So that's my thoughts on um, Link Between Worlds. Uh, what's one of the games you played? Do you play anything for 3DS? Mario and Luigi. Just Dream Mario and Luigi. That was the game I wanted. I was looking most forward to. The only game I was really looking most forward to from the. Right. So what, what did you think of it? Because that comes out in only a couple weeks at this point. Um, I really like that the gameplay is pretty much unchanged. Like, yeah, that's true. It's pretty much the like, same. I mean, game. I was never really well. I don't know, I guess what they did to Paper Mario kind of put in the back of my head, like, oh, I kind of hope they don't change it too much. Right. But... Yeah, because Sticker Star was, like... Yeah, that was, like, a total, like, it's weird 90-degree turn. Yeah, it's just a different game. Yeah. It, I enjoyed it, but, yeah. yeah it was I mean, more of an adventure game, game than an RPG. But, I mean, we wanted Paper Mario, and mm-hmm. we got a Paper and Mario got, themed game. We got, like, a weird Fetch Quest Zelda-esque yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about... Mario Luigi. Uh, Mario Luigi was that... Uh, I guess it really is sprite graphics. Like, they, they were so well animated that they either looked like they were CG with really good, like, sprite shading on it, or... Yeah. I mean, there are some occasional CG things that were... Luigi goes big, that's the, that's obviously CG, yeah. but... when you it, have to turn the system sideways. Yeah, it just sideways. looks so yeah. good, and, I mean, 3D looks so it good. It did look really good. It's a really pretty game. And it has a really nice color palette, too, like the Dream Worlds, yeah. where you're in Luigi's dreams, they have, like, this kind of, like, tie-dye thing going that looks... Yeah. But it's like a pastel tie-dye. It looks cool. Oh, man, the soundtrack so far, just from what I've heard, is so good. How did you hear anything? It was so loud at Nintendo's... Uh, I, 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 I put my ear up to it. I was just... Uh, I, I've always liked the Mario Luigi soundtrack. Right. They've always... They have that good music, Yeah. Yeah. But the, th- the thing I thought that was kind of uh, interesting about Dream Team is obviously the Dream Worlds. 
which is, I, they had, the demo was broken into like five different things you could do. There's a battle, there's an overworld, there's a dream world, there's a giant battle, which is where you hold the system sideways and the 3D effect turns yeah. off. And there was a fifth one. I don't there remember. was a battle with Bowser. Yeah, I think that was the other one. Yeah. But anyway, um. I mean, all I got to do was, um, just go across like some platform, just jump, basic jumping with platform. Right. You jump with Mario with a, you jump with Luigi would be. Right. And then occasionally I would, Luigi would have to go into the background and I would have to pull on his mustache to make some vines. And I didn't know I had to slingshot myself. I thought I just had to carry Mario to the platform. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't working. And eventually I figured, okay, I have to slingshot myself and then I made it easy. Yeah. But I don't know. It was, I mean, it's a, it's the demo, so it's obviously not going to be very challenging. Yeah. It, it was just more like, okay, this, so this is how, how the game works. is going to work. Yeah. And, but yeah, the thing the thing I thought that was interesting about the Dream World in particular is that previously when Nintendo was showing it off, it looked like, oh, when you enter the Dream World, Luigi's asleep on the bomb screen, you manipulate him with the touch, you know, on the touch screen to do things like slingshotting with his mustache and whatnot. But on the top screen, you only have Mario. But in reality, Luigi's there too. How it works is you're exploring the Dream World much like you would any other world in the game, but side-scrolling instead of isometric. And whenever there's a Luigi action you can do you can press i think it's r maybe maybe it's x i don't know you press a button and luigi like warps out of the world and into the object so like he's there for you know you still have to do the double jumping each one has their own jump button and everything in the dream world except when you need him to go do something then he disappears like i thought he was gone completely it's like it's a minor thing but it's just like it changes cool, the I mean, dynamic it, it, it gives them more to work with like, yeah yeah it does and the stuff and speaking of more work with they are very creative with what they're doing with luigi in the dream world so the slingshot with the mustache, where you just flick the bomb screen to make Mario go to an upper platform, that's pretty minor. But they had essentially, like, Luigi as Pikmin, <laughs> kinda. Like, there were like a hundred Luigis on the screen, and you'd, like, have a giant stack of them. And Mario would be on top, and you'd, you'd kinda, you'd run them to, like, knock over things or collect high-up items or hit buttons way up top. But as you run them, like, the physics of this, like, eight-layer Luigi stack would kinda sway, like, almost like you're, like a Jenga tower, but full of Luigis. So that was kind of neat. Or, like, in battle in the dream world, you can uh, use the hundreds of Luigis to do various attacks. Like, uh, there's one where you roll them up into a ball, which we've talked about before, like, Katamari style kind of. Yeah. But you control it. You don't just, like, it's rolled into a ball, and then you actually use the uh, gyro of the 3DS, which is really sensitive for this, by the way. I was, like, swinging it wildly, and the ball is, like, crashing into the wall, and Luigi's, like, splatting against the wall. No, you, it's, it's a subtle gyro movement. But you roll... How it works is you... It's probably so the 3D doesn't break as much. Or well, the 3D's kind of... off. It turns oh. off completely when Gyro's on. When oh. Gyro's on and when it goes vertical for the giant battles where each character is the full, uh, ha- you know, one of the full D- 3DS screens, that's no 3D whatsoever. Which I thought was actually kind of interesting. Like, they could have... I mean, vertical they can't, but for the Gyro, they could have done 3D, but I guess they didn't want to break the 3D since it is kind of, you know, yeah. uh, there is a sweet spot. But what I was going to say is that, like, the Luigi stuff where you're rolling the ball or you're, like, amassing a huge army of them to hit an enemy or whatever, all that, it takes the Mario and Luigi gameplay, battle gameplay of, you know, time the button press or do a couple button presses and really kind of takes it to the next logical step, which is, like, this whole dro- like this whole build-up before you even get to the attack. Like, you're rolling the Luigis for a good, I don't know, 15, 30, 20 seconds, and you're, like, navigating the course, and then you have to roll them into the enemy. So you have to line up, almost like you're bowling, line up the the ball, the Luigi ball, into the enemy, which is, you know, more than a button press or more than anything they've done in the past, so... Yeah, I mean... So, yeah, it's definitely, like, a next step of the franchise's, like, concept. 
Yeah, I mean, even the ones that don't even change that much, like the Koopa Shell, where mm-hmm. you just... I mean, it just changes the perspective just so the 3D gets shown yeah. off more. Like yeah. You just shoot it into the background. It, it looks really good in 3D. Like, the mix of sprites and 3D... I honestly thought they were polygons when I first saw um, the trailer, but yeah, they are sprites for sure. And the mix, like you said, and the mix of the sprites and the 3D looks really, like, really sharp. It looks cool. Kind of nice to know that sprites aren't dead. Yeah. Especially after, like, other games that ditch sprites. I mean... I know, Pokemon. Pokemon did. Uh, Yoshi's New Island, which we'll get to in just a second. That did it. And, you know, actually, I have some interesting thoughts on the graphics choices for New Island. But let's wrap up uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team first. Um, the only other thing I want to mention is the giant battles. Is there anything else you want to mention before I get to that? No, I cover everything. So, giant battles... Okay, then giant battles are... This is when the screen goes vertical. It, I believe they were in Bowser's Inside Story. There were. There were a yeah. bunch of them. But I feel like this one... They're more prominent, maybe? Like, because they didn't really hype them in Bowser's Inside Story. Like, they were later in the game. They never really showed them to the press. I feel like they did. I don't remember remember... ever seeing them in, like, previews or press or anything. Oh, I remember seeing them in trailers. Oh, then maybe I'm just misremembering. Kind of almost in the exact same way that they showed the giant Bowser, like, right at the end. Like, they showed Bowser growing. Right, right. Then I misremembering. Because I remember, like, I mean... That against my whole Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, you fight a... You fight a train, you fight a castle, you fight a giant pig. Okay, yeah, I'm misremembering completely then, so I take back my point. But yeah, they're back, and it is still all stylus-controlled. So it's swipe up, you know, instead of hitting A, you're swiping up, you're swiping left-right, that sort of thing. Did the blow into the mic? Uh, not in the demo I played. I remember you blew into the mic for Balthus Fire. That was interesting. I don't know how I feel like they're was. not going to do that this time. I feel like the games where you blow into the system are kind of done and over with. Like, it was a gimmick. It never became more than that. Like, the games that use voice in a logical way, like Nintendogs or presumably Pokemon X and Y will do it for its pet simulator mode. That makes sense, like, if you could talk to the game. But just blowing is so silly to me. Yeah. It blows. Ha ha! Ha! <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, Mario Luigi Dream Team, that's out in only a couple weeks on August 11th, so it was really cool that, you know, Nintendo brought a pretty lengthy demo, and they were giving out these neat pillowcases at their, uh, set up at Comic-Con, their gaming lounge, where they took over a ballroom and put a whole bunch of games in it in a hotel next to the convention center. And they were giving out these really cool pillowcases for Dream Team. Like, the marketing's in yeah, full they force here. Yeah, they only had, like, a couple hundred each morning. And there were lines... There were eight kiosks, and there were, like, lines of 50... Uh, at, the, at its peak, I saw about 45, 50 people in line per 3DS. It whittled down the day we got our pillowcases, which was the last day, maybe, like, 30 people per system, but still... Demo's 15 minutes. <laughs> so so some people are probably staying there for like three hours. It took us, what, an hour to get ours? They're about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's Mario Luigi Dream Team. Uh, I'm definitely excited for it. I really like, like I said, I really like how they're kind of progressing the logic of the button presses or the stylus swipes into like more advanced, during battles into like more advanced things like rolling a ball of Luigi's or building a pyramid of Luigi's or things like that. Like it's, it's a logical progression that's actually really fun. I don't so. know. Hope they haven't ridden themselves into a corner. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do for your next one. They're already inside Bowser, and, they've already, and now they're inside Luigi's head. Next is going to be, like, inside Mario or something. Or, like, Princess Peach or... Inside Peach's, inside Peach's head might be scary. Yeah. Imagine if she's, like, secretly super demented from all the kidnappings. Wow. What if she, like, had a psychic... Like, a I mean, not psychic... She's, like, in her own game. Like, she goes through mood swings. I like, know. On that wind. game was so sexist. Super Princess Peach? Oh my god, it is just like... That's awful. Which is funny, because now Nintendo's like, oh, we have all these female leads in our games now. Like, you can play as Peach in Mario 3D World. You can play as a female captain in Pikmin 3. Brittany? Yeah, Brittany. Like, they're actually, like, playing up that they have, like, prominent females besides Samus. And this is the same company that five years ago had Super Princess Peach. 
Nintendo Starlet's puzzle. Yeah, the Nintendo Starlet's puzzle. It's just funny how they like did a complete 180. But um, no, I wouldn't be surprised if like yeah, I would play a game inside her head. Imagine like she must have had some sort of psychological break at some point from all these kidnappings and whatnot. Like I bet you if she was a real life person, or just to make it seem like she's keeping it together after yeah. all that. But in her head, it's super dark. It'd be an M-rated game for sure because it'd just be so demented. It wouldn't be like anything like, oh, it's Peach. It's sexualized. It's a girl. No, nothing like that. I just mean it'll be like dark. Like it'd be super dark. Like it'll just be like demented into it. It'd be like those Alice games from uh, American McGee. Yeah, but it'd be Peach. Oh man, I kind of want to play that. I hope that happens. Anyway, that's Mario Luigi. Um, another game I played for 3DS, which I alluded to a minute ago, was Yoshi's New Island, which is. Yoshi's Island in 3D on the 3DS. That's the easiest way to describe it. It plays just like Yoshi's Island. Um, you know, there's still... So if you love that game, that's good. And if you didn't... Then, then it's the same. Yeah. Like, it's the exact same situation. It was interesting because... Uh, I felt like there was a lot more, like, finding items in this one. Like, it wasn't as... It was a point A to point B sort of deal. But there were, like, lots of different paths to get to point B. Like, it wasn't quite as linear, almost. It might have just been the level I was playing, but there was, like, a lot of, like... I was in, like, a super branching path. It almost felt like... The level almost felt like it was structured like a Mighty Switch Force level. Where it's, like, you know, just a giant rectangle with all these different paths within that you can go to to get things. Because you had to find a key to a door. So you had to keep going this way and that way. There were a few levels like that on the the DS one, but for the most part, I remember the... The Super Nintendo one was pretty... Yeah, the Super Nintendo one was literally left to right. Might have had one or two levels where you did have to find a key... Yeah. Points, but yeah, it was interesting that Nintendo chose to demo that level. I wonder if that means the game's going to be a little more like that now. But in terms of how it plays, it feels like Yoshi's Island. You're throwing eggs like in Yoshi's Island. It it literally is Yoshi's Island. The major difference is they replaced the crayon 2D graphics with kind of a mix of clay, crayon and claymation of sorts, 3D graphics. And I know a lot of people... Us included. So kind of like the the graphics of the cutscenes in Yoshi's Island, because those look kind of claymated. Not quite to that. Yeah, a little. I remember they were pretty claymated. Yeah, it's not like it's not like super claymated. It's just like if you take the crayon and round it off, so it's polygonal, which at that point kind of looks like clay. So it's kind of like that. Like it's hard to describe, but a lot of people are like, "Oh, it lost its charm when they saw the trailer at E3." I mean, I think we essentially said that in the podcast. But now that I've played it, I actually kind of like it. Like if you just accept the fact that it looks different now. It, it grows on you. Like, it does have... When you're playing it for yourself and it's not a compressed video on the eShop, it does look a lot cleaner. And they do some clever 3D effects. Like, when Baby Yoshi... Or when Baby Mario gets knocked off Yoshi, he's not just floating above you. He's kind of floating in front of the screen a little. So it's like... He's, like, actually, like, hovering around a bit. So when you touch him, how is he really touching him? You know? <laughs> I don't know. But no, it's just... I think... I'm not even sure. I might be remembering wrong, but he might even come in and out of the screen slightly. Like I don't know if it was like I don't know if it was like a layer thing where it's like here's the baby Mario layer and behind it's the rest of the game or if it was like he was kind of like zooming in and out. If it's zooming in and out, that'd be super cool. But I honestly cannot remember if it was. But um, yeah, and even some enemies that just like fly by in the sky that you could hit with an egg, they're kind of pushed forward a little too. So it's like super rudimentary 3D, but it's there. But the polygonal look kind of grew on me. Like I said, I think it actually. Um, It'll be interesting if they had to depend on how they use it. They're planning to do different art styles for different worlds. And if they do that and they can get creative with the 3D, that could be really cool. Like, I'd love to see, like, a vector 
like some sort of polygonal vector world or something that looks you know, you know like kind of like is that a computer world or yeah like you know that episode of the Simpsons where Homer gets transported oh, into 3D yeah, like if they did something that. like that I know but if they did that'd be kind of I'd be very interested in closest that. thing would probably be like the cave and giant crystals and those yeah would have to look or like cool. even like if they did like uh, a level or a world that just had kind of like the look of Super Nintendo Star Fox but in 3D like lots of like polygons rudimentary shapes I feel that has a better chance of happening in Dream Team. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're right. But I don't know, because that, that's just, like... That's just the, the thing that kept popping into my mind when I was walking, when I was playing. was like, okay, yeah, I can see people don't like the rounded-off crayon look, because now it's polygonal. But if they really do play with the art style, like they're saying they're going to, they could do some very cool things, because the 3D's there. But right now, it's literally just, like, background layer, foreground layer, front layer, where things float around. So, one thing, though, uh, gameplay-wise that's different is they now have this giant egg which uh, you can throw to, like, basically rip apart a level. And two things of note with that. One, the novelty factor on it is amazing. Like, I, I when I did it and it, like, tore apart half the level, I was like, okay, this is cool. You pick the path for it and it just goes and just ricochets until it clears out whatever it needs to clear out. It's basically the Mega Mushroom from Mario, from New Super Mario Brothers. But, so probably just like that, I'm guessing it's going to lose the novelty factor after a couple of uses. But that first time I did it was really cool, especially because when you smash the level, parts of the level fly, you know... Uh, one direction on the screen, parts fly the other, parts come at you slightly. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it kind of like, it like bursts apart when it hits. So that's kind of neat. Like it's a minor 3D effect, but you definitely see like a piece of a level, you know, like a piece of a block come kind of towards you. So, I mean, it's it really, there's not much to say. The game's not out till next year. I didn't have a chance to try the gyro stuff. They're going to have stuff, I believe, where like in uh, Mario 3D Land, you can use the gyro sensor on 3DS to kind of peek around the level for secrets. I didn't see a way to do have that. Have they confirmed that all Yoshi transformations? Because that was a big uh, Not that I'm aware of. I should have asked the Nintendo rap. I was chatting for a while with them about it. But, no, I forgot to ask. Um, I don't know if, Yeah, I don't know if the transformations are back. I don't know if the other babies are back. You know, from the DS version, where they like Baby DK and Baby Peach. Yeah, well, those kind of replace the transformations. Yeah, but I don't know if either one's coming back. Like, Or if they're going to do a third thing, like maybe different types of eggs, which would explain the giant egg that they already have. That's true. All I know is the level they showed was literally just like, hey guys, look, it's Yoshi's Island now in 3D. Like, they weren't even trying to, like, show anything that new. It was just, here's what it looks like in 3D, which makes sense since it's not out till next year. So that's early impressions. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, if you, if you like Yoshi's Island or if you like platformers, keep an eye on it. If you hate it, you're not going to like it now, at least based on the demos. So that's that. I enjoyed it, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about the game. I, I didn't get Yoshi's Island DS right when it came out. I got it a few years later. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the franchise, but I'm not huge on it. So this one's like, it's one of those wait-and-see type of games, much like DS was Aww. for me. But, uh, yeah, we should hopefully learn more in 2014. Yeah, that's it for... It's one of those games I hope to be excited for. Mm-hmm. Not, that's the name, not saying that I'm not. Just... Yeah. I have nothing to be hyped about. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it this is, way. Yeah. When I played the demo, when I when it was announced at E3, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then when I played the demo, I was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I went from being like, whatever, to being like, oh, I should keep an eye on this. So, it helped in some way, I guess. But I was kind of surprised until I demoed it, because it has no release date. I mean, Mario Party for 3DS is coming out in November, supposedly. Still. We haven't seen anything. It's not at Comic-Con yet. This game that comes out in 2014 was. So, I don't know what's going on with that. But, hmm. but my point being, it's just one interesting. one is riskier than the other? Not really. They're both very safe. Mario Party and Yoshi's Island. I guess Yoshi's Island is a, a little riskier. But, 
But yeah, I, I could see next year becoming year, year of the year of Yoshi, kind of like year of Luigi, because there's Yarn Yoshi and Yoshi's New Island. But but that's pretty much it for the 3DS games we played. They had uh, some re- already released games on tap. They had uh, Batman on tap, which we unfortunately didn't have a chance to play. But the rest of the of the Nintendo Gaming Lounge and their and their uh, booth at Comic Con itself inside the convention was pretty much all. Wii U. Just Dance 4. We got to see more Just Dance 4. I missed that. I would have taken a Vine video of that, but I was too busy waiting in line for Bayonetta 2, which coincidentally is the first game on our list that we're going to share impressions of. So you, Jose, were lucky in that you didn't have to wait half an hour to play Bayonetta 2. You, even though I'm standing there in line, I look to my left and you're just playing already. I was waiting there for 20 minutes and I noticed that you just walked up and started yeah, playing. I got to play like three different games in the I know. But So why don't you, since you were able to play it so easily, why don't you go first with your thoughts on the game? You, can, you have a good comparison point, because you're a God of War fan. Yeah, so they're both beat-em-ups, like, they're both combo-based beat-em-ups, you have one button that does a certain type of attack, you have yep. another button that does a different kind of attack, and you could kind of combo them both. Because it's a demo, it was kind of hard to see how the the combo system, or how the fighting mechanics actually really work well, mm-hmm. but once you get the dodging going, which dodging is just R, I think it's just R yeah. or, or ZR, Basically, it's, it's basically yeah. you just hold it and move the analog stick, the right analog stick. No, the left one. The left one. Yeah. The movement one. And she just rolls and dodges automatically. In other games, usually you have a... Their le- your right stick usually does your dodging for you. You just pick the direction they dodge. Right. But this one, I don't know, you could kind of mash the dodge button. I totally and, and, and just roll around and you won't get hit at all. Here, Here's the interesting thing, though. It makes... You're making it sound... I mean, it is kind of, by comparison, easier. But... The difference is you, there's the timing thing you can do where if you time the dodge just right, it goes into a slow-mo effect. Yeah, but th- that's part of the thing that right now, just because it's a demo, I'm kind of I'm letting a lot of things slide. Like, like, okay, like it's trying to teach me how to play, so it's obviously supposed to be this easy. Yeah. But a lot of the mechanics kind of made it seem like, like you feel really powerful. Like even in God of War after I had everything maxed out, like yeah. when I dodge someone or like basically you're just attacking, you're doing your combo, and then you dodge only to continue your combo without getting hit. And Bayonetta, you could just kind of, like, well, right now, like, so they were kind of easy, and you could kind of just mash away. Yeah, and then you do- And then you dodge at the right time, but instead of just dodging and continuing your combo, you get heavily rewarded yeah. for dodging at the right time. It and, goes into a crazy slow motion. I mean, it looks cool, and it looks fun. And, and it lets you wham on the end. Yeah, and then we kind of left yeah, that part yeah, out. <laughs> you pretty much, like, she... I don't know what you, how to describe it. She kind of undresses herself and makes giant legs and arms punch the enemies. And, I mean, it pretty much kills them. And you can just kind of rinse and repeat and just do yep. that over and over again. So, like, it kind of made... You know, you were kind of just plowing through the enemies. Like, no... Yeah, well, I yeah. think part of that... I really think a big part of that was because like, it I didn't was a even, demo. Like, I didn't even really... Honestly, I, I didn't even know what I was actually doing for part of it. I was just kind of just alternating between A and B because... Which I was just, kick and punch, be, yeah. Because I didn't want to do the same thing over and over again, so I was kind of just smashing. And you could jump and shoot. Like, I think one of the buttons is just a designated shooting button. Yeah. But other than that... um. I don't know, I feel like I would need a lot more time with the game. Well, yeah, it was definitely, like, for demoing purposes, it, button mashing was the easiest way to play it, for sure. Yeah. Like, it was clearly button mash friendly at that point. But, and that's not even touch controls. I played the button, we both played the button mode, but there's a touch mode where you use the stylus and basically, like, touch points you want to hit, and it does it. Yeah, or so, something so like that, that probably would have simplified it even more. Yeah, but the thing is, um, there is a bit of a, there is a bit of strategy no, to I, I, it, I, I, in the sense, yeah. even in the demo, which was but, which I button mashed like crazy, but you can unlock... Not exactly unlocked, but if you hit enough times without getting hit, you get, I think they called it a climax. 
Yeah, it's basically just like a finisher move or... Yeah, it's not even a finisher move exactly. It's it like, just does more damage. Yeah, it's like these giant purple energy things come out of her and just wail even more powerfully. And you, like, because they throw a lot of enemies at you. The 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 set pieces, actually, of yeah, the demo were very nuts. very cinematic. It was amazing. Okay, first of all, right, let's just walk through what it was. So you start on the top of a jet. You're fighting on a moving jet that's weaving in and out of a city. Because, you know, that happens. And then the jet crashes into a building and, like, a dragon thing comes out of the building at you. And then you're suddenly on the back of a train, an elevated train? Or am I getting these backwards? I'm getting them backwards. You start on the elevated train. The dragon comes out, like, I mean, after some fighting, the dragon, like, destroys the jet. You're jumping from pieces of the jet and you land on a subway. Right, because these jet pieces, you know, because there is no gravity on Earth anymore, (laughs) apparently. So the jet pieces are just kind of hanging out, waiting for you to quick time, or quick... Yeah. event them and then uh, I got this backwards you start on the back of a moving bullet train that's elevated like 50 stories above the city because no, no you land on the train after the jet oh so I did have it right yeah then you yeah. then you fight another boss while you're on top of the moving train which by the way suddenly the train opens up and it's like this whole square platform like you're on a vertical train but then suddenly you're in a square fighting arena on the oh, back of the train well, which is like well, where well, that well, comes oh, from oh no well that's because the train crashes and you end up in that square right, platform right right okay and then you, I was too busy button mashing and then to you, notice these and then you summon details. the big dragon thing to kill that boss and then you with end your up, hair and then you end up fighting that dragon thing with up your the hair and you're flying in with your hair yeah and then you run up a side of a building with the dragon thing and it's like King Kong style where he's on the building your dragon hair is on the building and you're fighting it on the side of the building, somehow hovering in midair due to some other Their hair wings. power. from Yeah, wings from your hair. Because apparently Bayonetta is really big on using her hair for everything. And actually, it's funny, because when I was playing the demo, when the, your hair, like, rebels against you, or when the dragon turns against you, dude next to me was just like, that's not supposed to happen! That doesn't happen in the first one! And I, I just turned to him, like, plot twist, and he's like, oh my god! <laughs> it's just like, it's really, he's like freaking out. But, uh, and then the Tower just kind of, like, chuckling to himself about this guy freaking out. But, uh, no, it's, like, it's the most insane, but cinematically awesome, like, non-stop, just like, oh my god, why, why am I on a jet? Now I'm on a train. Now there's a dragon made of my own hair. What is happening? It's it's crazy. I, It looks gorgeous, too. It looks yeah. really good. It actually has a, lot of, it has a lot of bloom lighting, which, interestingly, I know we said we weren't going to talk about much, but Super Mario 3D World, when we, pl- we played it a bunch at Comic-Con, like, for multiple times, and... I didn't notice this when we played it at Best Buy, but it has pre- some pretty cool bloom lighting around the characters, and it's actually the same exact like lighting effect as in Bayonetta 2, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, the exact same kind of radiant glow. Yeah. But, um, but no, Bayonetta 2, like, su- like you said, super cinematic, super crazy, super fun. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, I think... Uh, one of those games that you can have fun just watching. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I watched the demo three times before I got to play it. And, oh, wow. And it was... I mean, I was chatting with the Nintendo guy for a while, too, but it was just like... I didn't get tired of it. Like, there's, you cannot get tired of watching a person fight on the back of a moving jet as it weaves in and out of what looks kind of like New York City. Like, I don't know how she's staying on it. I don't know how Which she's not getting blown up. But even then. Which power is that? I guess. But even then. It's just which power. Yeah, but I mean, you're going like so fast that even as a witch, you'd think, you'd think she'd be focusing on staying on the jet versus fighting while on the jet. Like... I, I think the They're fact working that on the jet. She's a witch. We, we, right. we, how, how can you even like begin to accept like okay, I know exactly. You, you make it sound like you know exactly how witch powers work. Well, I do. Lim- I mean, I, that's what I read in my spare time is witching manuals. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone reads? But no, <laughs> but, but no, it's yeah. I, I guess that does explain it. But no, the games. I mean, you're right that it is kind of button mash heavy at this point. But the systems in place, I'm, I'm the sure, systems in place for like the, the climax systems. Uh, in place. I'm sure it gets harder. I'm sure. Yeah, you they, get this was enemies like, that don't 
flinch at every point. Yeah, and I mean, they did throw a lot of them at you. At one point, you're fighting ten at once. Yeah, so. but even then, like, I guess the, usually the more enemies you fight, the easier they are. Wait, what mode were you playing on? Because they only offered very easy, easy, and normal. Not normal? Hard mode is probably for you, then. But my yeah. guess is this is the very beginning of the game. They also show a secondary female character who... Uh, Teams up with you, and apparently, yeah, part one related. And... Apparently, she's in the multiplayer. There is confirmed multiplayer for Bayonetta, like co-op, I believe. So, they kind of tease that, which suggests it is very early in the game if they're first introducing her character, and she's oh. like the co-op character. So, I mean, she kind of gets killed in that. Oh yeah, that's thing, true. Yeah, so. but or, well, we think she does. It and the tr- the well, demo ends with her whole. Well, the de- yeah, but the demo ends with the body still in the possession of Bayonetta, so it's possible. I know. Well, yeah, she has it's to get possible it. they put something else in her. Well, I mean, the game like you're probably gonna have to go into that other realm yeah. and get her soul. Probably. Back I love how we're nitpicking a plot that we know nothing about. I know that's, that's it's pretty play, awesome. I still have to play the first game. Yeah, I, I will never be able to because I only own Nintendo systems. But that's Bayonetta in a nutshell. Like it's it's definitely here. I had zero interest in it. Well, let me rephrase. I was really indifferent to it before uh, I played it. I was just kind of like, oh. I could see some people liking that. That looks cool. But then once I played it, it like shot up my list of must-haves. Like I am so excited to play it, like play it in its entirety next year, just because it's like so like off the wall, crazy, actiony. Yeah, I will say though, if you're using the gamepad buttons to control Bayonetta opposed to the touchscreen, all the gamepad screen does is mirror the TV. So it's not exactly the most useful thing, but it does confirm off TV play, which I don't think was confirmed previously. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to use it, but... No, it doesn't, and at least it is off TV play. Yeah. So so we can confirm that. I don't know if Nintendo's outright said that, but there you go. Um, but that's, that's it for the first party stuff we played, I believe, right? I mean, Pikmin 3 was there, but we purposely are holding off for the final release. You know, why spoil the game at this I mean, point? One for One... One for One One was there, and it had a five-player multiplayer mode going, but we didn't get a chance to play it. However... Nintendo's bringing it to LA in August at their Hollywood Highland Wii U tour stop, so we're going to try it out there and have impressions sometime between now and its launch, so one episode down the road, you could expect that. And that's it for really the other first-party stuff we played at E3. So I guess now's a good time to jump over to third-party. Um, the Probably the highest-profile third-party game that we got to try was uh, Sonic Lost World. On You played the Wii U version, right? Did both. Oh, you did? Yeah, I just played Wii U, so... Played every um, single level they had to offer. I only got to play one level. Did you play the casino level? Oh, at the demo booth. They didn't have the casino level. The yeah, demo. I don't understand where it came from. So, really quick, for those who've been following Sonic Lost World, uh, we'll get to our impressions in a minute, but it was revealed at Comic-Con, in some demo at some location that we couldn't find, that they're bringing back the, bringing back the casino from, like, Sonic 2 and whatnot. It's um, good to call Frozen Factory. That's the nail level, but it's a casino world that's within... And Destructoid got to try it out. And um, they basically said that it's not just a normal level where you're, like, running through it, but it has all these, like, kind of casino slants. So, for example, there's a 2D pinball table you get stuck in at one point, and it literally, like, zooms out, and it's just a flat pinball table. So it's just, like, the... Yeah. I know you're good. Like, the old... Yep. Yeah. Yep, I knew that's what you were going to say. Yeah, it's just, like, the old one. And then there's also... Because, I mean, they brought that one back also for Generations, and it was... Oh, did they? Yeah. I never played Generations. And then... Oh, no, and then they also... Almost every Sonic game has had a casino level. That kind of thing. Right. Right. But this one looks like ripped straight out of, like, Sonic 2. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But something about well, just... Well, casino levels can only look so different. I know. I know. I know. But the other thing they uh, the other thing they did, and this one's actually really cool. According to Destructoid, you can find silver coins as you run through the level. And then, like, at some point in the level, you can essentially cash them in. And then you get an alternate path or two. Hmm. So, like, it's kind of on top of the normal gameplay. They have this, like... Coin hunt. So that's kind of the idea. And I'm, I'm hoping that means that more of the levels in the game, as they roll them out, 
you know, leading up to launch, we'll have more, like, unique little twists like that. Because that'll help keep things fresh. Very, in that regard, it's very Mario Galaxy-like, as they, you know, introducing new mechanics for just a level here or just a level there. So, yeah. so that's kind of cool. But actually, one of the things that a lot of people have been saying is Sonic Lost World is the equi- is as close as we'll get to this year's Mario Galaxy. And we've played it, and in some ways, yeah. yes, and in some ways, no. I, I, I disagree. Yeah, you, uh, a lot. yeah, go, you go first. Like, You're the bigger Sonic fan. Oh, so. I mean, the, the only way I can see the comparison is just in the fact that you have floating, disembodied, like, right. worlds that aren't really attached to anything, and you kind of see, like, a planet under you. Right. That's, like, the only real similarity I would see to Galaxy. Other than that, it plays just, like, any... I mean, it looks like... To me, it just looks like any other Sonic game, like, where you run from point A to point B, and you have... Except now you have more maneuverability depending on what style of the level. Because there are three different styles that they yeah. show. There are primarily side-scrolling levels, which just go... It's like a side-scrolling level. And then there's others where you're running from towards the screen, and those play just, like, every Sonic level and Sonic Unleashed and Sonic Colors, where you're just going fast. Yeah. And, and it's, like, it's more Twitch game, yeah. where you're flicking the stick left, right, and yeah, Sonic just yeah, does like, it. Yeah, you're just pretty much running non-stop. And yeah. then there's the last ones where... You pretty much have full control of Sonic, and that one's more platform-heavy, but you're still pretty much running from point A to point B. You're running from point A to point B, but it's as if they took a flat Sonic level and rolled it around a tube. Yeah, it's just so... It's like you have a paper towel tube that you're running around as you go to point B. Yeah, so basically they kind of took off edges. And it's yeah. kind of nice. It's different. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. Um, but it, honestly, to me, it just feels like a more... Um, a more cleaned-up and refined Sonic Colors. Because Sonic Colors' mm-hmm. is levels... A lot of you, even like people say, like, oh, that one is kind of like Sonic's Mario Galaxy. Because, I mean, yeah. the levels and then, like, they kind of, because it was in a theme park, they freed themselves to give, oh, we have a candy world, we can have a space yeah, world. Yeah, they have super have, wacky themes. Yeah, we have we, underwater world. So, to me, it's just like Sonic Colors, but better. It's Sonic Colors wrapped around a tube. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, not only that, but they also, um, I think they improved Sonic's controls for the better. They gave him a run button, which at first I thought was I was pretty skeptical of, but I think it actually works for the better. Because mm-hmm. now Sonic, like, he doesn't really have to speed up. You don't have to gain momentum. You can just start running at his max speed. Yeah. And even though it's not quite as fast as, like, just breaking the sound barrier in the other games, um, you, I don't know, you have better control of him in platforming, and that was always kind of yeah. the biggest weakness in the Sonic games. Like, his momentum always kind of made you overshoot something or undershoot something. And the parkour system actually That's saves you so many times. There were so many oh, times yeah. in the in the 3DS and the Wii U version where I would jump past the platform and I'm like, oh, I'm dead. But I instinctively I would just hold back towards the platform and he would just climb up the wall. Yeah, like I died zero times because he would just climb back up. I just had fun running off the top of trees. Like you can run up a tree and like flip off it back oh. onto the stage. I did that like seven times. I was like, this is neat. Yeah, like, like I'm having fun with this. Like the the 3DS one seemed to have a simpler way of controlling them in the sense that if you just homing attack you'll just do it right but the 3d but the wii u one had a bit more things to it and you I had to kind of position it i, I couldn't really attack. get a full grip of how do you control them on the free roaming ones not on the oh yeah yeah like i mean i would try to do a homing attack but then he would do a you mean on ju- the you mean on the paper on the tube level yeah on the like tube. where it's wrapped around a tube sort of no 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 where you're where it's like Green Hill Zone, but... The first level. Yeah. 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 The and one then, that's like... The one that everyone goes, it looks like Mario Galaxy. Yeah, and he would kind of double jump, and... I mean, You he had, had to like face Well, I mean, he has a double jump now. Like a yeah, legitimate a double, double jump, jump yep. which is actually really cool. Yeah, he has a... To do the homing attack, like I had a little trouble with it too, but I eventually got the hang of it. Yeah. There's actually a row of enemies on the bottom of the level, like if you run under it, that just kind of... You can figure out the homing Yeah, that. yeah. But, but it's like... You but have when, you to, have, when you have a standalone enemy, sometimes it seems like he doesn't really home to it, you kind of just kick him. Yeah, it's because you have to like... It's weird because you have to be 
I feel like you have to be in midair, but not double jump, and you have to be facing him at just the right angle. Like, that's how I did it. Like, there were a couple times that I, like... Or, or also just land in front of him and hit him. I don't know, like, I... Like, it, in order to, like, pound into him, you have to actually, like, jump at an angle yeah. that faces him just right, which like, is a little more technical than in the past. Yeah, I didn't spend too much time trying to figure it out just because I wanted to try every single type of level on right. both the Wii and the 3DS version, but right. overall, like, it you was... You played, like, seven levels, then. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was... Overall, it was just really good. It was really fun. So, how's the graphics really on 3DS fun. look? They look really good. Like I was the style fits 3ds so well. Like the super clean colors and I, I much was, detail. I was really like like whoa. Like this looks yeah. like how's the 3d? Because I was playing on the screen. Like on the I mean you could they had monitors yeah, they hooked, had up, to hooked up to the 3ds so uh, people yeah. could watch behind you. And when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, it looks kind of cool, but it was really blown up and it didn't look that nice. And in 3d, but when you play in 3d on the small screen, like it looks so crisp and like whoa, it actually looks kind of like the the Wii U version. But I mean, obviously not. But yeah. It just looks so good. Like it looked like they didn't cut any corners whatsoever. Kind of right. like how Monster Hunter 3DS to Wii U. It just looks really good. Right. One's just in HD and one's not. Yeah. But I will say, actually, uh, Sonic Lost World. It looks super clean in HD. Like even when he runs through grass, you can see like the grass sway as he runs, which is like in little clumps, not individual blades. Yeah. But so that's cool. But uh, I miss the dynamic lighting. I miss the like. It just feels like a step down from. Oh, the honestly, Sonic. Like, even Sonic Colors, I feel like had more graphical personality. Uh, it, it just had more. This was just very rudimentary shapes. Oh, honestly, like, it kind of has grown on me a bit, and I'm starting to like, you know, because I'm starting... It reminded me in the same way that Smash Brothers, the new one, is kind of going. Like, more pastel, solid yeah, colors. Yeah, it, it just yeah. felt more like just a different art style, so it just started to grow on me, and I'm like, okay, it, the graphics actually do I look will, really good. Yeah, Because, I, I mean, Smash Brothers doesn't have that much... I mean, if anything, for a little bit, I thought they didn't look as good as Brawl, mm-hmm. but that's just because there's less shading, it's more vibrant, and that's yeah. all Sonic is, it's just very vibrant and colorful. I will say that... Explosion of colors? Pretty much, yeah. But I I will say that while I do miss that dynamic line, now that you mention it, it does... The one thing, it kind of fits with the idea of they're taking, like, a 2D Sonic and wrapping it around a tube. Like, it does actually, now that I think about it, look like old-school 16-bit Sonic if it were rendered in 3D, in, like, polygons in HD. Like, it has that same colors. Wow, you're right, yeah. That's all it is. Now that I think about it, it actually makes perfect sense. But that's that's what it is. It's just they took... Literally, the concept of Sonic Lost World was, hey, guys, why don't we take 2D Sonic, put it on a Z-axis, and wrap it around a tube. Go. That's all it was. And that's how it plays. But with the parkour system to keep your, your, moment, uh, your momentum up. Yeah. But no, it's it, it's fun. It's, um... I walked away... I didn't walk away like I... You know, when, I mean, you've said it's not really like Galaxy, but everyone keeps going, it's like Galaxy. So when I went in to play a demo, I was like, oh, this is going to be some like crazy new revolutionary Sonic or something. It's going to feel kind of like a weird Sonic Galaxy hybrid. This is going to be really cool. And I walked away going, well, that's Sonic. So that's not a diss by any means. Like, it's perfect as a Sonic game. But I think I got, I like bought into the like fake hype about it. So I was expecting like something else. But as a Sonic game, it's excellent, at least in the demo I played. Uh-huh. So, I think I'm going to do what I do with Sonic Colors, and once it like discounts, I'll probably buy it. I don't tend to buy Sonic games at full price for some reason. But, yeah, I'm definitely getting this on day one. Yeah, no, it looks... It, it, it is very fun. It definitely is fun. It's a well, good it's Sonic. a 3DS version. My brother already called the Wii U one. Really <laughs> well, you have both in the end. Yeah. You're the one that owns the Wii U, so he'll be playing on your Wii U, which means you can play it. I'll just watch him. But, yeah, no, it's, um, it's definitely like, if you're a Sonic fan at all, this is like... From the demo, this feels like kind of the... The truest old school but new Sonic they've yeah, done. They've honestly just been... They have just been getting better, like, from Generations. Yeah. Like, that was a really... like unle- Colors was amazing. Like, 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 Unleashed. Like, that was actually a good game. Like, it looked... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, have the werewolf played? thing... 
The wor- I just don't like the wear. The wor- wear hog. Excuse me. The wear hog thing isn't even that bad. Like honestly, like it, like I play- it, it looked like it played like Knuckles levels in Adventure Two Battle. No, I played more wrong. like if I had to compare like when it Crash Bandicoot, I guess. Oh, okay. Like oh the- yeah, Knuckles could fly. Never mind. I take that back. Yeah, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. they were they were fun. They were just their own thing. Right. But. I mean, if anything, Sonic Unleashed was more like Sonic Adventure. Because, I mean, Sonic Adventure gave you a bunch of characters that sure. you wanted and didn't want to play as. Like Big the Cat. And and, and, basically, <laughs> and this one just gives you one extra character to play as. With right. the gameplay style that is actually fun, just that people hated it because it wasn't Sonic. Sonic. But since then, but, they've been honing in on what is Sonic. Yeah. And so, Lost World's kind of the end result of that. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so it's it's. I mean, now that you know, now that we talk about it more, now that I'm like looking back at the demo, I started to come around. I might actually get it sooner rather than later, because like the, even just like my description, I just gave it like it's like 2D sock, but around a tube. That's kind of like oh well. I mean, what else really cool. Well, I mean, it's coming out around the same time as all of Nintendo's games: Donkey Kong, Mario, Wind Waker, uh, Zelda on 3DS, Mario Party on 3DS, Pokemon on 3DS. Like it's in that holiday window, so. I kind of... I'm thinking maybe I'll get it day one, not just, like... Because it's kind of a cool concept now that I think about it more. I think initially, I just when I walked away from the demo, I was just kind of like, oh, it's Sonic. But now that I think about it, it's like, well, it's a really good Sonic, and I really like colors, so why wouldn't I? But the second reason I might consider getting it day one is... Sega kind of went out on a limb. I mean, Nintendo's probably paying them to do it, but to make it Nintendo exclusive, might as well support it and show that there are Wii U owners who do buy third-party games. That's true. Will Even support. if you're not going to play it until later. Yeah, just get it day one or something. And yeah, just have it. Yeah, it sounds like I'm like doing some sort of like activist thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm bettering the world by showing Sega we buy their games. Yeah, some people go and save starving people. I buy Sonic Day One, <laughs> but uh, no, I yeah, I think I'm I'm coming around to it. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got on Sonic. Do, do you have anything else you want to add? Love it. The other another pretty high profile game, not necessarily among gamers, but in the casual space that we got to try was um, Disney Infinity. Disney actually took over a art gallery, an art gallery, in uh, downtown San Diego for two nights, and they set up this kind of fancy, like, showcase of Disney Infinity. We have a bunch of photos of the how they did it and of the toys and whatnot in, in the uh, extra that we put together of our photos from Con-Con, which is called Con-Con 2013 Photos. You can find it at roundtown.com. It's right next to this episode. But, um, so your photos that. But, yeah, they took over an art space, and they showed off the game. They had it on every system, imaginable. they had toys everywhere. And, you know... That's actually a pretty cool concept. I know it's just Skylanders, but the toy box thing is actually really neat. So what toy box is, is essentially you get all your figurines and you mix and match them however you want. The base station that you put the figurines on for the NFC chip to be read, I believe it holds three? Hold yeah, up to three? three? So you can literally, and, and I think you could swap them out. Like you can, I believe the Disney rep was saying you can have more than three in the toy box. You just have to import them at three at a time. But either way, even if it's only three, you can do all sorts of crazy combinations. I mean, they had a giant Cinderella monster truck. Like, Cinderella's carriage is a monster truck outside the event. They had, like, Wreck-It Ralph... Or they had... Was it Wreck-It Ralph? Who was riding the... No, they had Sully from... uh, Not Sully. They had Mike from Monsters, Inc. riding a Tron baddie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just, like, you know, just, like, posters everywhere. It was actually, like, there's some cool combinations. So if you're a Disney fan, it's actually a really cool idea. But the meat of the game... So that's one side of the game is the toy box. And then the other side of the game is this single-player mission thing. And that's what we actually got to go... Well, you got to go hands-on with. Yep. Which, uh... 
It's weird because it's like from what from watching you and watching your brother play, it's, it's like really. It's like half structured and half kind of freeform. It's just very sandboxy. It's just a sandbox. Yeah, like it's you really. It was Monsters Inc. You played. Yeah, right? you you just do Monsters University. I mean, you just do whatever you want. Pretty much, you just. But there are missions. You, you can go to the objective marker if you want. Yeah. You could just go around. Causing, you could ride a bicycle backwards yeah, could, for twenty minutes. You could go around causing mayhem, like. But that, I mean, that's when you're inside like the little mission mode. Like, I mean, yeah. there's only so much you could do. You can't really create or destroy your own things. That's but... what Toy Box is for. Yeah, and Toy Box, that thing's crazy. It's like Little Big Planet. But it's super game. cool. Like, yeah. I was watching. I was actually watching. I think the PS3 version. Someone was doing Toy Box, and I was just like, not exactly hypnotized by it, but like the amount of detail you can go to. Like, you could build whole games in there. Yeah. Like, uh, this wasn't sh- this wasn't at Comic Con, but I remember them showing they built a Mario Kart clone in the Toy Box. Oh yeah, like yeah. so. Like, I mean, yeah. what the, what people were doing at Comic Con were, you know, much more like straightforward. It was just kind of like, oh look, I have like uh, Wreck It Ralph on top of uh, I don't even know what some little I don't know the the horse, the little horse from Toy Story. Wreck It Ralph is riding it. Look at him go. He's so big and the horse is so small. <laughs> ah, funny. But like you know, it's things like that. But no, it's it the potential is huge. Like it really, it's not just a Skylanders knockoff. I mean, the toys are, but. The concept, what you the do with them the, the, is totally yeah, different. Yeah, the toy concept is the same, but they're completely different games. Like yeah, Skylanders it, is a point A to point B mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah, it's just a straight-up action adventure. Yeah. And this is like a free-form. The interesting thing about the mission mode that we were talking about, though, is... Um, so, yeah, once you have a mission, you do it, obviously. But they just kind of plop you in a game world. like a spe- I mean, a movie world, a specific movie world. So, like, Monster University, you are one of the monsters that you have to use one of the Monsters Inc. toys to access yeah, the mode. Yeah, because they have to cut scenes. And, yeah. yeah so. so you access the mode by getting that toy... And then you just play through it. And you can do whatever you want within that mission mode, within that world, but only as one of those characters and only in the space they give you to work with. There are walls. There, uh, Your brother, Gates. Yeah, he biked backwards into a gate and couldn't leave. And the Disney rapper's like, nope, wrong way, wrong way. So, so yeah, there's definitely some limitations. But it's, you know, for kids, it seems amazing. And Toy Box just seems cool for any Disney fan. But, like, the, the actual missions are really, like, kind of simple. Like, one was like, go fetch this item for someone. It's like, okay, I'd rather not, but it looks good, graphically. Yeah. It looks very clean. It looks very, uh, it actually has kind of a similar my, look to my, Sonic Lost World in terms of, like, yeah. the colors and whatnot. But it definitely looks from plasticky. Just yeah, toys, which fits yeah. the toys, because yeah. the toys actually are super high quality. I got to mess around with a couple of the toys, just to, you know, pick them up and poke yeah. them and it's squish them. The game might actually look too good, or so good that the consoles actually had trouble running on Yeah, that, that was a weird, weird thing. So... The Wii U we were playing it yeah, on. When my brother was demoing it, he went into... He was throwing... He was throwing a balloon filled he was with doing, something that was... He was doing it all the time. It wasn't just the balloon. No, 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 I know. I mean, when he while he was throwing that, oh, he yeah. went into first-person mode, and then the game just couldn't handle it for some reason. And here's the thing. It wasn't just that. When he was on the bicycle just playing around, it was doing it. When he went to go talk to someone, it was doing it. It was like every 10 or 15 seconds, it was just like... The frame rate, frame rate would drop to like 5 frames per second, maybe. Like, it just lagged. And even the, the Disney person was just like, yeah, we've been running this thing for 15 hours straight. You normally don't do that. So it shouldn't be a huge issue. But, you know, even if I'm saying that, the game's a month away. It comes out next in August. I don't know if they're just... Like, it's a little it bad. Doesn't play for 15 well, no, hours it's, it's more, more the point that, like, the game should be optimized at this point. Even if you're running for 15 hours straight, like, it shouldn't... Your Wii U shouldn't be doing that. It doesn't do that for other games. You know, people download stuff to their Wii U, and it's not like the downloads start, like, stalling out normally. Like... I don't know. It just struck me as very strange. Just test it. I will say that... Yeah, okay, we'll try it. But <laughs> I will say that that does look really... When it's not lagging, it does look really nice. I was actually kind of impressed by the graph. Like, I literally said, whoa, when I saw it. Like, it looked kind of like the toys were just in the TV. 
I mean, not quite that crisp, but, like, they did a really good job of mimicking the, like, art style of the toy and the look of the toy. And yeah. the toys are super high quality. They're a really nice material. They're really smart of them to pick a design that's really easy to make yeah. in a toy. It's like a super polygonal looking, like, very, lots of edges. Yeah, very edgy, yeah. Yeah. Simplified. So. Yeah, but no, it's, it's. I mean, if you're if you're a fan of Disney, this is, like, the best thing you could possibly wish for. I mean, honestly, toy box mode I'm interested in, just the concept of it's so cool. And it's just fun to watch what people are building in the demo. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't have, we don't really have much to say beyond that, except, you know, it was there, it was cool. They also had good um, cheese. Oh my god, they had the most amazing, they weren't even cheese, I don't know what they were. Okay, so they had hors d'oeuvres. We went like, it was like the last half an hour, Saturday night, right before it closed, it was like quarter, quarter ten at night or something, and they kept bringing out these like quesadillas that literally had pineapple, brie cheese, some sort of apricot or jelly or jam or something, and then like pico de gallo sauce or whatever, that green sauce is, on top. And it sounds disgusting when I list it right now, but it was like the most amazing thing I've ever had. Granted, we didn't eat for like eight hours at that point, because Comic-Con's very busy, you don't have time to eat. But <laughs> but still, it was so good. So good. Yep. So, um, if nothing else, Disney should bundle one of those with every copy of the game. Or it's just have someone making them fresh at every Best Buy and GameStop in the country. And Toys R Us. Yeah. That's what they should uh, do. I would want another one. Yeah, I would. I, I just want the recipe. And then I'll bot- botch it when trying to make it at home one day. But, uh, yeah, so that's Disney Infinity. Another game that we got to play from third parties. This one was only me. Uh, Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures. I know, you're like, everyone listening is like, wait, what? Why are we talking about this? I watched a TV show out of curiosity. It's awful, right? It's super yeah, kiddie, isn't it? It's not that bad. I've just heard it's real. I just hate Pac-Man's face. Oh, I, <laughs> that's, that's so I, mean. I, I hate his eye. He should not have eyeballs. He should have little Pac uh, eyes. It's funny. Like I, I've always liked all of his designs. I don't think I've ever not liked them. I, I, I don't I, like the, the new design's growing on me. But like Pac-Man's, I'm sorry, Pac-Man's eyes are mini Pac-Man. I, mini I, I, know, I, know, Pac-Man. I know. You want it to be like they're like, not giant blue, like, like old Steamboat Willie eyeballs. Yeah, they're not blue pools of water that you look into and just get lost in for hours they should never be that but that's what they are now no, it's really kitty but yeah I know, it's, and his it's, voice it's, is like i'm batman isn't it no, or is that one of the bad no, guys no it's like a little kid's voice oh that's right yeah it's like he, the squeaky. He, he, he sounds like a his old voice was he sounds like a 10 year old yeah it probably is a 10 year old most likely yeah but the game yeah so even though the cartoon's like whatever amazing cg though wow. yeah they uh they were sh- yeah they were showing a, uh, a loop of it at the namco booth this looks like whoa yeah it, it looks guess, good it looks like not like whoa man beast wars when we were growing up yeah oh man <laughs> never mind beast wars remember the donkey kong cg cartoon oh or, the, or that other one um what's the name of that tv show there's like cyberspace um what i don't remember <laughs> well while you think of it i'll go into pac-man since i'm the only one that played it yeah you um, can look it up too while i talk but um so yeah, the thing with Pac-Man is the only reason I was interested in it, in the Ghostly Adventures, was because I'm a big fan of Pac-Man World 2, as I mentioned when it was first announced here on the show. And, uh, really, I was like, oh, I hope this new Pac-Man is kind of like that. Because if it's like that, I don't care how kitty it is, if it's still a good platformer, like 3D platformer, then it's worth the, uh, then it's worth probably the time. But, I'm happy, well, not but. So, so I'm happy to say it is... Basically, Pac-Man World Four. It is kind of a it's a collectathon action platform. It's like a it's a platformer in the vein of like Mario sixty four and that general. You know, like the PS two platformers and the N sixty four platformers. Like in on the GameCube, there's that like glut of platformers of that yeah. style. It's literally like they picked it up from there it's and just plopped cool. it. It is because Pac-Man World Two is really fun. It got really challenging in the later levels. And from what me. I've seen, 
Pac-Man is pretty much Namco's Kirby now. Like he could eat pellets and he yeah, has well, how, abilities how it works? How it works? Metal abilities. Sorta. He has hats. That's what the de- in the demo they had one hat in particular, which was a chameleon. Oh, because in the show, like he ate a pellet and that grew the hat. Oh, they grow. Oh well. Well, I mean, it just appeared. It just said like, there was a power up and I grabbed it and I had a hat. That's, That's how it happened. But um, kind of cool. Oh, the, the show. Yeah, because it just remixes the old pa- Pac-Man cool. sound effects. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the guy, uh, one, the producer of the CG show is like a big name. Yeah, in the it's, entertainment it's really industry. good production value. Like th- that's why, like, I was able to watch it the whole as Kitty. Even if was, the whole time, he's like, "I'm Pac-Man. What's up?" That's how he talks. No, it wasn't high pitched at all. He sounded kind of like Finn from Adventure Time. Man, I can't win. First, I do a gravelly <laughs> voice, and no, then I do a. Yeah, he just sounded voice. like he just sounded like a te- like ten or twelve. Uh, like, like he didn't have an annoying voice. He just sounded like a little kid, and I kind of expected Pac-Man to be an adult. To be a grown man. I yeah. mean, he has a Miss Pac-Man. He has a Mrs. He does have man at the end of his name. He also has a child. In Pac-Man World Two, he has a kid. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this is like a Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior situation. Maybe the Pac-Man of today <laughs> was the Junior of yesteryear. Maybe, yeah. There we go. Yeah, we don't know. There we go. But no, the game. So the game is like a straight up, you know, old school platformer. It was, it, you know, it it's what you expect from that. It's it really is the next Pac-Man world, and um, which I kind of already said. But the thing that's interesting is those power-ups. So there are different ones. There's only a chameleon in the demo, but it, you know, you have a longer tongue as a chameleon, and you can use it to latch onto ghosts from far away or to navigate the world. You can swing from uh, poles that stick out to get to special areas and that sort of thing. So it's, you know, it's kind of rooted in those sort of cliche platforming things where it's, you know, different power-ups will grant you access to different sections and you have to, like, attack ghosts to get, you know, pellets and then the pellets get your power-ups or things like uh, if you hit a button, you can make the ghosts, you know, run away and you can get extra points and extra lives if you get them and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a very standard platformer but it does look pretty good in motion i mean it's very clean and it plays like pac-man world so i'm happy yeah, it's one of those games like it's one of those games i don't think like, like, like if, the, if there was a drought of games again yeah and it was like on discount i might consider picking it up yeah no totally <laughs> that's why in, in, in this situation if this came out in february like when rayman was delayed and this came out i would have got because it, it i love pac-man world too i never actually owned it i just rented it like a million times and got to the very final boss and could not beat him but uh, well, we gotta fix that. I know, but I love Pac-Man World Two, and this felt like Pac-Man World Four. There was a three somewhere in there that I never played, but this feels like the the next Pac-Man World. It just has that cartoon overlay. So, I mean, if you if anyone out there that is like Pac-Man World, this might be up your alley. At least try and find a demo. It'll be coming to Wii U in October, along with a whole assortment of other systems. That's Pac-Man. Uh, the other the other two games we play. Well, this is. What, well, the other game you played, while I was playing Pac-Man, you are playing a game that fits right in at Comic-Con. Simply because Cartoon Network has a gigantic presence at the show. And that's a regular... No pun intended here. That's a regular show. Uh, Morakai and Rigby... But... Yes. Morakai and Rigby in 8-Bit Land, which is kind of 3DS and DS. But apparently they're different, the 3DS and DS version. But you tried yeah, the... Yeah, I think it's a the DS version. Yeah, you had the 3DS version. So, what is it? It's a... <laughs> it's a game that you could... It's one of those games that takes a lot of inspiration from side-scrollers, or old, I should say, old games. Like, well, that makes sense, given the yeah, show is all about, va- yeah, the, the, you know, has yeah, all the video yeah, game the, references. The show is really just a, a nostalgia trip for anyone that's, yeah. like, 20. I mean, the main characters are 23 years old. Like, right. the last episode I saw was about laser discs. And, I mean, just like just like in real life, where we're all raccoons, same in the show. Are they raccoons? They look like raccoons. What's more Only one character is a raccoon. Okay, so that's half right. <laughs> wait, wait, just like in real life, as we're all animals... That play video games. They're animals that play. I mean, this joke's going nowhere. Why do I keep trying? Yeah, to the, the, the show's weird. It, it's a normal world. It's people. Just that the main yeah. characters having to be 
animal because they can and a weird yeti and a gumball machine but um naturally (laughs) yeah so it's a side scroller you jump on enemies to kill them you sometimes every once in a while like once in a while you get a super a power up that lets you like punch things but the thing about it is um unless you were a fan of regular show you're probably not going to enjoy it because right. everything is a reference. Every single thing is a reference. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, like, wait, why do I have a mullet and cut-off jean shorts now? <laughs> like, this is... So... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that kind of situation. Yeah, I was reading up on it after you play it, because I just got killed. But the graphics aren't... I mean, it's bright. It's 3D. Yeah, how's it, the 3D? Is it, it, like, layered? Or? Yeah, it's layered. So, I mean, it looks cool in that sense. Like, oh, yeah. like, way over here. And that kind of thing. But, um... And I guess um, you do control the main characters, Mordecai and Rigby, but you control them in... Like, you press Y, I think it is, to switch between them. So, so they have different abilities, then. Yeah, so Mordecai can double jump. Rigby can go in smaller spaces because he's a raccoon. Right. But then that they See, control the same. a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, I said there was only one. Right, right. Yeah. And every once in a while, you have the ability to turn into, like, a jet of some sort. And you have full control. You could any you could fly in any direction just shoot where you're facing, and that's it. So, yeah, that, that uh, just jumping in super quick, and I'll let you yeah. get back. I was just going to say that that's actually one of the things that kind of... Like, I don't think I'll pick up the game just because I'm not a huge fan of the show, but when you walked away from it, and, you know, and after that, I, I like, read up on it because I was curious, and that's actually one of the things they're doing that's interesting is it's a hybrid of different genres from, like, the, you know, old-school gaming. Like, there's the 2D platforming, the thing where you're a jet, that's a side-scrolling shooter, like, Radius, yeah. ultimately. And then there's also top-down, like, Zelda-style adventuring. So it's, like, all kind of... I, I don't know if that was in the demo, well, I, mean, I, know, I mean, they have an overworld map that's kind of like Super Mario Bros. 3. I don't know if that right. was maybe confused for the... No, there's there's a part. Apparently, there's a part where I don't know if it's in the demo you played, but uh, Rigby actually the raccoon. There's actually a part where he's top down. Oh, so that's kind of neat that they're like bringing them all together, which is the only reason I thought is you know. Yeah, I mean, I worth might or might not, depending on how much it costs. But you were gonna say something before I interrupted you, though. You were like so, and I'm like, oh, let me jump in. Oh, I forgot. As I always do, but I always interrupt. I mean, overall, just if you like the show definitely get it i mean it's a solid game there's nothing wrong with it but it's just very reference heavy it's like one of those yeah. it's like event the adventure time yeah it, it's just like one of those games like that only fans of those games will buy like they're you mean of those shows of those shows yeah i mean they're definitely just made for the audience they're not made for right guy that loves every single platformer yeah but, but he might check it out yeah and it actually might be good enough for him to check out but because <laughs> it's regular show he might not well, that's what happened with Adventure Time in, you know, the Zelda 2-style Adventure Time game from last year. Yeah. Uh, Ice King Soul. Yeah, like, it could have been an amazing game, but I didn't pick it up just because... The I, demo was fun. It felt like it was Zelda 2, yeah. but Adventure Time... It's more like, like I'm, I like Adventure Time, but not enough to buy the game. And it's because, I guess, it's a licensed property that I yeah. guess I didn't buy it in the end. Yeah. It's funny, these two games had, like, Adventure Time and Regular Show had such a big presence at Comic-Con this year. Yeah, so Adventure, they, they, they've blown up. Yeah, Regular Show, they took over the Children's Museum in downtown San Diego and actually built an arcade in the basement. So you go play games, they're all free, you get about six minutes to play, then the power goes out, and you're ushered into another room to help figure out why the power went out, and you go into a smoke-filled room, and the, like, bad video game boss guy from yeah, the show... the Destroyer World. Yeah, he, like, pops up on this giant screen on the wall... Well, first, uh, Morakai and Rigby come up and go, hey, what happened? And then he comes up and challenges them. And everyone has to grab all these old-school controllers that are just laid around the room and button mash. And actually hooked into the to a computer. And the faster that the people button mash in the room, the quicker you'll beat the boss and be able to 
leave the room and go get a free poster. Oh, like you were on an arcade machine, right? Yeah, I was on. I was actually like up on a pedestal. Like I was in like the high. I was like in the top corner on a pedestal, literally like towering over everyone. Yeah, that was really cool. I got to use the Sega Master System controller. Yeah, and they, and yeah. they had uh, they had Atari Twenty Six Hundred controllers. They had a Coleco Vision. Thank you. Yeah. They had, like, a ton of old-school controllers. And then once yeah. you beat the boss, everyone got a free giant poster of the show. And you, Jose, actually got a really cool limited edition one. Oh, yeah. There's you got one of a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's answering trivia questions, because I just... Oh, I, it's one of the shows I actually do like a lot. So yeah. that's why I probably would pick it up. But, but yeah, so that's what regular show did. And then Adventure Time, inside the convention, they built... For those who watch the show, uh, the Ice King's this main character. And his head was their booth. Literally, his head was their booth. And the only reason I bring up Adventure Time is actually, um, since Cartoon Network did have such a presence, and Adventure Time was next to regular show at uh, D3 Publishers' tent that they had set up. They're the guys making these games. I was watching the new Adventure Time game, which is kind of Wii U and 3DS, uh, I think in October, and it actually looks kind of cool. They're ditching the Zelda 2 vibe, and they're doing just, this was me just watching from afar, but they're ditching the Zelda 2 vibe, and it looks like Gauntlet now, or like Diablo or something. Like, it's like a dungeon crawler, it's multiplayer, you can have up to four people. Each character seems to have some sort of, like, special attack thing, they have their own little meters that rise and fall, kind of like with Gauntlet, how each character has different abilities. So, it, it actually looks kind of neat. I mean, uh, I, we, I didn't really see a whole lot of it, I just want to kind of say it looked cool. Like, yeah. it's, it's full 3D, but it's cartoony, it's isometric view. But it is in full 3D. I imagine it will look amazing on the 3DS. I was watching, I think, the Xbox 360 version, which obviously will look the same as the Wii U version. But, yeah, it's... It, it, it looks so cool. if you're a fan of the show, just be happy that you're actually getting good licensed games. Yeah, so, and way forward. I mean, since they were show, like, actually, all these batch of games lately, like, they've actually been yeah. really good. Well, it's because the creators are insisting on having good developers. I mean, the Adventure Time games are way forward. I'm not sure if regular shows being made by WayForward or not. WayForward being the I people that make my the Mai series I'm not and Shantae. Sure. Yeah, I'm not I feel sure. like it might be, but at the same time, no. Yeah, I don't know, but I do know that the creator of regular show is personally mandating all the video game references and all that stuff. Like he's literally going, it needs to have this and this and play like this and reference that and have this and that. Like he's really hands on. So that's how you know you get a good product when the creator, who's someone that is a gamer. Yep. is insisting on things. And also, it's worth mentioning, for a lot of the games, we, third-party games we talked about, um, we didn't really get to see how they will work with the Wii U gamepad. Disney Infinity being the exception, your menus are on the gamepad, but Adventure Time, Pac-Man, we, there were no gamepads. It was all Xbox or PS3. So what, we're, what we saw, what we played, it will be how it will be on Wii U, but not identical. So we, I wish we could tell you how the gamepad works, because that's the thing that, that's like the biggest mystery of Comic-Con, like, what do I do with the gamepad for these games? Or maybe it'll just be off. Maybe it'll just be off. It'll be off TV play only. There you go. Oh, no, I mean, I guess the screen will be black. The, the buttons oh, will oh. work, but... I mean, no. you, I mean, you could turn the no. screen off. No. They'll at least mirror the image. They'll at least have, like, a giant button that says, like, pause me or something, <laughs> and that'll be it. But uh, the final game we saw, once again, we didn't play it. We saw it, and it wasn't on a Wii U, so no idea how the gamepad will work. But that's the new Assassin's Creed for Black Flag, which was shown on a pirate ship. They literally converted a maritime museum into a full-fledged Assassin's Creed pirate ship, the Jackdaw, from the upcoming game. The line to get on it was two hours. We toughed it out. We got inflatable swords that say Assassin's Creed as proof of our toughing it out. Woo. And they threw a big party on it. Go that. with our axes from last year. Yeah. 
Yeah, they go with our Balax, or Tomahawks, Tomahawks from Tomahawks. Assassin's Creed 3. But yeah, so the developer walkthrough, I believe they posted a video version of it on the web already on YouTube, but we got, it was two of the head developers from uh, Ubisoft Montreal were there, and they walked us through... On a PS4. Yeah, on a PS4. The game looks gorgeous in terms of, like, vibrancy. Like, it's just so colorful, which is nice, because, you know, all, all next-gen games are all brown and gray and dark and muddy, but this one's just, like, so colorful and vibrant. Yeah, it's so green and blue. It's Wind Waker. Odyssey it's next-gen Wind Waker. Like, this is, like, if a company is, like, how do we make Wind Waker for the audience that buys, like, a PS4 or a 360 or a 1? This is how. You make Assassin's Creed as Wind Waker. But no, the game... So what the game was is it's super open-ended now. Whole world's at your fingertips. You can do however you want, whatever you want, however you want. And so what the developers did is they... They started us off just, like, in a town or whatever, and then a theft occurred, and you accepted the mission of chasing down the thief. So you ended up running through so a crowd. That part so far, apparently, is just, like, any other game. Right? Yeah, that's like, how it is like, in all like, You had a chicken coop this time. Last time you had, like, a pigeon or something. Yeah, but the, the difference is, uh, yeah, you can choose, just like in other games, you could choose these side missions. But what happens after, once you do the side missions, where things kind of open up. So you're running through, you're chasing, you're getting chased through a crowd, or you're chasing him through a crowd, and that's traditional Assassin's Creed, you know, pushing people as you run. He hops on a boat, he hops on his pirate ship, you hop on your pirate ship, suddenly you're in a naval battle. You're out at sea chasing him, and you get in a naval battle. There's real-time weather effects going on, you know, there's like, uh, there's water spouts, presumably they turn into Sharknadoes, uh, <laughs> but there's, there's water spouts, there's, uh, you know, there's rain, there's, it, it's, things dynamically change, just like Wind Waker in that regard. And then you have a battle at sea. You arm, like, you literally have your crew, like, arming the boat and firing. And then you can go storm the boat and your crew can help storm it. And they can have those pirates join your crew. And you can send them off in the world to do whatever. You can recycle the parts of the boat. Exactly, yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah, and then the cool thing is if you send a crew off, you can have the crew do stuff and then check in on a secondary app on a smartphone. And, like, have your crew, like, update what your crew is doing from your phone. So when you come back to the game, they have more resources for you. Yeah. When or they send said them that, from your phone. Yeah, or, or even that. And I was just like, that is so cool. Like, I mean, I hope the Wii U version includes that. Because that, that's a cool Yeah, because like, that's, like, a minor thing that you wouldn't mind not doing yeah. from the console. And Ubisoft's doing that with all their games. Watch Dogs has a companion app. Uh, like, honestly, their, um, their racing Mon- game has a companion yeah. app. Monster Hunter needs to do that. Because there's, yeah. like, a farm and a sailing thing that's almost identical. Right. You send them off where you go, like, oh, make me some honey like that would be so convenient on yeah app. it's funny because ubisoft has been saying that the wii u kind of taught them how to do a second screen experience you know with zombie you know, like two screens and now they're kind of taking that and combining it with like mobile experiences which is why we're seeing this wave of like you know companion apps but i actually think they're a really cool idea and i really hope that they're not left out in the wii u version but anyway back to the walkthrough demo he did so um yeah, so you you take over the ship and at that point you're, you're free to do whatever you can go back yeah, he like, decided oh, to go on a treasure there. hunt well, yeah. like, he just said, like, oh, there's a tiny little island right there, and you know yeah. what, let's just go there. Oh, there's a dead guy there. Let's, let's see what he has. Oh, yeah, the treasure map. Yep. So then of took- course, this is all planned exactly like that, but there are 70, something like 70 different little islands, 70 islands on the map that are marked, and then there's about 70 more that are just, like, itty-bitty ones that might have a dead guy with a map. So it's really, that's where the exploration and the open-endedness yeah. comes in, is because at that point, you could do whatever you want. He went to this island, had these ruins, he was, like, doing old, you know, traditional Assassin's Creed, like, uh, parkour up the side of, like... Yeah, ruins killing and, some guards that were already there yeah and then he found the place where the map took him and it turned out to be a blueprint that he could use to upgrade his boat yeah so, so it's like as, as he put it's a gameplay loop of exploration leads to reward leads to more leads to the ability to do more exploration and the thing he was saying that i thought was actually kind of kind of undermining the whole assassin creed is open world now 
you can go anywhere you want at any point you want. The catch is that sometimes the ships in the seas in the part you're going to are too powerful for you, and they'll stop you. So they're artificial restrictions. So this whole open world so thing may be a little... Or... Yeah. So yeah. there's still a linear path of sorts, but it's more freeform how you choose to do it. So you could grind, theoretically, for a long time, yeah. and just be super mega powerful before you even start the game. Yeah. But... But... Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it looked really good on PS4. Like, it's super vibrant. Um, everything's very lush-looking. I, it's hard to say how it look on Wii U. I mean, it's obviously going to be scaled down, but I was I mean, pretty impressed with the PS4. I mean, obviously it wasn't like... Yeah, I mean the, It wasn't like a true I next still saw a lot of look. the regular Assassin's Creed standbys of the random glitches and the jaggy frame Oh, yeah, the best, was, the best was they, put, they took out like a telescope to look around the ocean at one point, and he panned to the left, and there was just a blue box. No ocean, just a boat on a blue box. But, you know, that's it's, a, it's an alpha build or a beta build, so that's understandable. But it'll be interesting to see like what sure makes it. To, since it comes out in November, yeah, true. Right? It'll be interesting to see what makes it to um, the Wii U version. Yep. And honestly, it looks like I mean, this seems to be the true next Assassin's Creed. Like three was after the fact. People look back on it. And it was like, oh, well, Assassin's Creed three. Assassin's Creed three was not that. You know, as glitchy in lots of cases, and it just wasn't as different as they tried to portray it. But this one seems. Assuming it, they're staying true to their word this time around, this might actually be the next level of Assassin's Creed that they're promising. Oh. It looks cool, though. It does look very cool. That's pretty much all the games we saw. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not to say that's all the gaming stuff we saw, but those are the games. Because we also happened, I mean, just a quick run-through. So Nintendo had a gaming lounge. Capcom had a crazy booth with, like, a Monster Hunter hangout area, an Ace Attorney area with a stand, witness stand you could stand on. Uh, they, had, they had a DuckTales money bin. Nintendo had a Pikmin 3 booth within Comic-Con, which was separate from their gaming lounge at the hotel. Uh, cool Sony, Plants vs. Zombie thing. Yeah, Plants vs. Zombie had all these like vine, giant vinyl statues that were decorated in different ways. Uh, Microsoft and Sony had their own booths. Microsoft actually copied Nintendo's gaming lounge, which Nintendo's been doing for years, and did their own Xbox lounge, where I got to meet a bunch of the SNL cast, which personally, as an SNL fan, was super exciting. I met Keen Thompson and Seth Meyers and uh, Bobby Moyahan and... Taron Killam, and for anyone that watches SNL, those are, like, pretty big names. Um, what else was there? And there's just random things, like, South Park had, like, an ice cream truck going around to promote the Stick of Truth, the, which isn't coming to Wii U, but it's a video game. And, uh... <laughs> Pac-Man gave out juice? Yeah, Pac-Man gave out, gave out free juice, and it was great, because they had the slogan of Pack is Back, but on half the cups, they spelled Pack with a K, and on half they did not, because they were trying to riff on Pac-Man, but they forgot to not spell it correctly. So, there's that. But no, I did want to mention the South Park thing that's funny, because uh, they're promoting the game, so it was Mr. Hankey-themed ice cream truck, and naturally that meant only chocolate ice cream. With toilet paper as uh, napkins. Yep. Keeping it classy, South Park. Keeping it classy. But no, there's just, like, so much cool stuff. Like, Comic-Con's always really fun, because, like, everyone's super friendly, everyone's, like, everyone's there for the same purpose. They're all geeking out about something, so everyone's super nice, there's always stuff to do. MTV had a huge concert the first night, uh... There's, like, Nerd HQ, which is, like, a sister thing to Comic-Con run by Zachary Levi of Chuck. That was cool. There a bunch of video games there. Oculus Rift was there. Uh, the Virtual Reality Hub set. There's just, like, so much to do. Like, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Comic-Con, definitely go to Comic-Con. Because not only are there these events, but we also got to meet a lot of interesting game people. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we met Bill Trennan of Nintendo. Got a photo with him. Thanks for the photo, Bill. Uh, <laughs> we, Seth Killian, uh, was there. Seth Killian uh, formerly of Capcom, then of Sony, to promote... All-Stars. I don't know why he was there. 
He, well, it was an industry event. Oh, yeah. uh, more importantly, no, no, I no, met no. Hideo. Uh, how do you say his name? Hideo. 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 Oh, Hideo. <laughs> they said Hideo. Yeah, I met Ko- Kojima of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, or as I co- or as I called him when I I saw him twice. The first day I saw him, I turned to Jose like, "Oh, look, it's Kojima," and he's like, "What?" I'm like, I'm, and I was just like, "I'm American. I can get away with mispronouncing it." But so met him, got photo with him. Uh, that we met the the director slash writer and producer of Ace Attorney Five. Yeah, we did. Which you were super amped about. You got a signed copy of your game right here. I think I was like the only person to take something. They were super excited that you brought them a game. He brought them uh, Ace Attorney Investigations, the first one, the only one that came to America for DS. That was their and they first, were like, that was the first game they worked on too. Yeah, and they were so. just like when he brought, they like flipped out when they saw it. They were so happy, like that they stuff were. like that. Being able to meet someone and have them appreciate you in the same way you appreciate them is so cool. Like Bill, uh, I already said Bill Trennan. Um, oh, Mr. Street Fighter himself yep. was there. Yoshihiro Ono. Yeah, and you, uh, you got photos. We have yeah, my, photos with him. Got my brother's copy of Super Street Fighter Four signed, and yep. a few little rare collectible kid robot figurines of Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, he was That's at cool. the kid robot booth. Yeah. You, so yeah, he's he's busy dealing with uh, Ultra Street Fighter Four. Yeah, they're, they're they're newly announced. Um, I guess update to the Street Fighter right. 4 game which unfortunately is not coming to Wii U I'm kind yeah of he confirmed it's I mean, not I mean I'm kind of not surprised I would I would be surprised if it was but I'm still kind of sad that it's not yeah. well there was one surprising thing he said yeah like if anything I thought it would come if it was going to come to a, any console that I would assume the Wii U but Apparently, he was actually trying to push for a 3DS version, which kind of caught me off guard. Cause, yeah, it's out of nowhere. Because but... no one is really asking for a 3DS version, but I guess the first one did well enough that... Plus, they can it. just, you know, basically... It's basically a re-release at that point. With Wii U, they'd have to port it from the ground up. On 3DS, they just throw in the new content on the same engine yeah. and call it a day. And, I mean, it was the best-selling 3DS game at launch. I know, it's my most played game on the 3DS. Really? Still? Yeah. More than Animal Crossing. Yeah. Wow. So, it's well over 100 hours. Wow. But yeah, the the point about... Oh, and beyond just these game people... Was there anything else you guys to say about Ono before I... No, no, I think that was... I was just going to say, beyond these game people, like, Con-Con's just, like, one of those things, like... I mean, it sounds like we're just bragging, because we are, but, um... But no, Con-Con's one of those things that's just, like, if, you have, if you're a fan of anything, you can find it there. I mean, I saw the cast of How I Met Your Mother, we we got autographs from the cast of Bob's Burgers, the cast of some random horror movie called You Were Next complimenting me on my shirt... So there's that. But no, just like there's so much... Anything you can geek out about, you can do it there. And everyone's super nice about it. And you can meet the people that, like, you... You know, you can meet the people that you're fans of. And it's just... ConCon's just a really great experience overall. I feel like we said the same thing when we went last year. It's just one of those things... Like, this is kind of like a nice little ConCon summary. But just, like... If you're a nerd about something or a geek... If you geek out about something... And if you're listening to a Nintendo podcast, you must... At least to a small degree, geek out about Nintendo. You'd have fun at ComicCon. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blast, but I mean beyond Con, prepare for a lot of Deadpool's. There's Deadpool's everywhere. Yeah, there's Deadpool's everywhere. There's a lot of Mario and Luigi everywhere. I saw tons of cosplay Mario and Luigi. Yeah, but to balance that out, there's also crazy individual things like someone had Sharknado on her head. Oh, the yeah. press. By the way, we saw her on Thursday, the first day of Con Con. By Sunday, all the mainstream press had photos of her on their websites. I was like, oh, I should have taken a photo and tweeted. I could have been a uh, Sharknado spotting hipster or something, but um. Yeah, but I mean, beyond ConCon itself, there was news, both at the Expo, before the Expo, after the Expo. One of the things that Nintendo did, actually, is they had a Nintendo Direct Mini 
at the start of Comic-Con. Kind of unrelated to Comic-Con, just in sync with Comic-Con. And it was hosted by my new best friend, Bill Trennan, who I spoke to for all of one minute, so now obviously we're BFFs. But, um, yeah, it, uh, he hosted a direct, there wasn't a ton of news, it's a mini, so that just means like a summary of what's coming out in the very near future. But, for a mini, it was almost the same length as a normal one. Yeah. Which was kind of funny, but, uh, this yeah, the trailer, new... Yeah, there are new trailers of Mario, uh, Mario and Luigi, which we've already played, new trailers of Mario from One One, and then there was a little game called Earthbound. The big announcement was that Earthbound is on the Wii U Virtual Console that day, that Thursday. They pulled an Apple and just like, hey, it's available, go. So $10, which is more than a standard uh, Super Nintendo game on Virtual Console. And honestly, a lot, there were, I saw on Twitter some people were like, $10, what? Like, you know, like, that's, that's unfair. Most Super Nintendo games are like 8 or 7 or whatever. But considering the rarity of the game, the demand of the game, and the fact that Nintendo's actually making the player's guide, which used to be bundled with the game, they, they create a digital version that's gamepad optimized they can grab from the Earthbound website. It's really cool. It's really. super cool. It's like all touch. It's, you know, it's all touch. It's really nice. Considering that's free online and, you know, it's a game that they can get away with charging a bit more. I see why they did it. Like, I have no complaints with $10. This yeah. is a game that people want for 15 years, 20 years. I know, and if they didn't already emulate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they're weighing at this point, what's the extra couple bucks? I mean, and Intel is giving it quite to $10 seems kind of fair, honestly. Yeah, honestly, when I saw the price, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like, and then I started seeing the tweets, and I'm like, like, oh, this game like, will probably keep me entertained for over 40 hours. Like. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. And Intel had a pretty big, like, later that day. So they announced it at, like, 8 a.m., and Comic-Con opened at 9.30, and the Nintendo Gaming Lounge opened at 10. And Nintendo Gaming Lounge later that day already had, like, a whole Earthbound display. They had a big banner for Earthbound. They had a TV right between the two main doors that was running the trailer on loop. They were doing video testimonials all, uh, all afternoon Thursday. Like, they were really drumming up interest. The only thing they didn't have was a demo, probably because you really can't demo it very easily. Yeah. But I'm super excited that it's on Virtual Console now. We'll have full impressions next episode. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to try it. I've heard so many good things. It's one of those games that's like... keep hitting the table. Yeah, it's cool. It's one of those games that's just like, you know, it's like a mythical... Like It's like a unicorn turning out to be real. It's like, look, there's actually Earthbound on a current Nintendo system. Yeah, it's that game that... I've always been told you should have played it. Yep. I'm surprised you haven't played yep. it. But just, no, I guess I was... I just remember it. when I was on the Nintendo forums, Nintendo's official forums, Insider, back in the day, so many people had, like, avatars and signatures relating to Earthbound, and I just did it. Like, the Starmen and whatnot. And I was or just Mr. Like, Saturn. Or Mr. Saturn. Account, I, yeah, and I'm just like, what is the significance of this? And, you know, people be like, how do you not know? So, now I'll know. It's kind of how, after finally finishing watching Arrested Development, and I'll get so many references oh, all yeah. over the place. yeah. You made a huge mistake. Taste the happy, taste the sad. For better or worse. Uh, never nudes. I can keep going. Stop. <laughs> but no, Arrested Development's amazing. But all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm I'm super psyched for Earthbound. The other big news they announced. It's not even that big, honestly. It's just the other new tidbit they announced, and that's uh, one little thing on Pikmin Three that's probably worth mentioning before the game comes out, and that is that it has online support, not multiplayer leaderboards. So how it's going to work is Nintendo confirmed You mean that you can't control, like, one Pikmin on someone else's game while they're playing Oh, the my campaign? God. Like, what, like, Watch Dogs, you could control other people's cities? In Watch Dogs, you can do that for multiplayer. You can, like, hack someone else's city, and as they're playing, it'll be like, someone's hacking you. You're like, what? <laughs> Imagine cool. someone's, like, just rebels, like, one Pikmin just leaves the herd. I'm and... actually doing something very similar. To... Well, no, not to that. More like the what I just said right now in Resident Evil 6. You can yeah. play as the random zombies you encounter could <laughs> potentially be controlled by other people. 
That's and, cool. And actually, that's kind of like in. Uh, actually, Re- killed a few people sometimes, and I'm like, wow, this zombie's really smart for some reason. <laughs> that's kind of like in. Uh, I mean, it's. it's I mean, you like, could activate it on or off, right? Like if you don't want someone else controlling right. the zombie. But that's like the next step up from how uh, the Wii U version, Resident Evil Revelations, you could put the quotes above oh, the yeah. zombies. Oh yeah, it's pretty fun, and I feel like more games should do that. Just give you the option. I like games that do multiplayer that aren't that isn't strictly competitive or cooperative. And like stuff it's, like Watch Dogs hacking. Yeah. yeah, like anything that's like unique like that's always. Really fun, but what? So what Pikmin's doing is nothing of that scale. They're doing online leaderboards for the story mode, co-op mode, mission mode. Your um, your score can be compared against other people on a chart that looks very similar to how Rayman Legends Challenges app outlines its chart. You know, like that kind of bar graph thing. Oh, okay. Or if you beat the story mode, you can then compare your total play time and the number of Pikmin you grew over the course of the story mode against other people. That one's kind of neat. The Pikmin growing one, like that's probably the most interesting stat to me. Just like curious how many people had to go through how many Pikmin. But, um, if nothing else, even if it is just a leaderboard, at least it adds some replayability to Pikmin 3. Because it's been out in Europe and Japan for a week or two now. And the general thing I've been reading is that it's a really good game while it lasts, but doesn't last all that long. It's like 15 hours tops? All Pikmin games seem short. But, you know, for a game that's been in development for six years, you'd think it'd be, like, a little longer. Well, I mean, for, like, the the main stories around that time, but... You can still go I mean. back and do more for 100%. Right, which yeah. is regular Pikmin 2 length, I guess. Yeah, no, but my point was, like, this just adds that replayability. Because if the main story is 15 hours, let's say, and then you can, sure, you can go back. To 100%. But now you're go- yeah, but now you're going back not just 100%, but you show other people on your friends list or in the world, look how good I am. So it just adds another layer to that. The leaderboard, you know, yeah. helps give you motivation to go 100% beyond whatever intrinsic reason you want to do it for yourself yeah, i mean plus mission mode and blah 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 so yeah still yeah i mean there's a lot of content i'm saying it's just one more thing but besides those two things i mean nintendo street pass relay which we talked about last episode where they're gonna daisy chain uh nintendo zone so you can street pass the last person there that's rolling out sooner than i expected in the next little period of a month or two or even a couple of weeks uh they confirmed some new some uh well they didn't confirm chibi robo i don't know why that wasn't there but I was kind of sad. But they did confirm some eShop stuff, which kind of suggests that the Wii U game drought might finally be ending. So they confirmed uh, Cloudberry Kingdom's coming out August 1st. That's the randomly generated level platformer that was originally a Wii U launch title, then got picked up by Ubisoft, who's now publishing it. And it's going to be coming out in just a few weeks, finally. Hey, the delay meant those cool cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what it meant, actually. Um, then on August 13th... What did we'll the get... game look like that? Yeah, I know, right? The game looks like a Flash game, honestly. Yeah. Then on uh, August 13th, we're getting DuckTales Remastered. So there'll be that. Uh, we're also getting... Are you getting that, by the way? Kinda I don't know. I, I never really played the original DuckTales, so I don't have the nostalgia, like, er, nostalgic urge. But I might. It depends on reviews. Are you? Probably not. <laughs> Oh. The way you asked me is like it sounded like you're gonna judge me if I said no, and then you said no. Oh no, no, I was <laughs> curious because like yeah, no, I, no I remember no. you seem to have had more interest in it just because it's Ducktales. Well, I like the show. Oh yeah. So, but I never played the game. So I mean, this is the same week as uh, Mario Luigi Dream Team. It's the week after Pikmin Three, so I'm not sure if I'll pick it up at first. Maybe I'll wait till it discounts. It's weird. I, I feel like I would probably pick it up if it was more of a Drought. A, a, a remake, but not... If it was like Disney but, Castle of Illusion? No, if it was like Mega Man 9 and 10 kind of thing. Oh, right, right, right. As opposed to it being like You don't a, like that it looks like a cartoon and not retro? It just, it just looks kind of weird. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like the, the, the 3D with the 2D. Yeah. It looks kind of weird. It looks like paper duck tails. <laughs> paper tails? Paper ducks? 
Yeah. Paper Duck, the Thousand Year Door. Uh, Paper Duck, Sticker Star. Super Paper Duck. I'm done. Anyway, um, the other game that was confirmed for August in Nintendo Direct is Spin the Bottles finally coming out. That's that quirky game where you don't need a TV. It's all on the gamepad, and you get very close to one another with a Wiimote being the only thing that separates you and your future lover. Well, we know who we're not playing it with. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, Bill Trenny made a point of saying there's no kissing involved in that game. So For better or worse is what he yeah. said. <laughs> he said it really, and he like, did this weird shifty eye thing where he said he's like, for better or worse. <laughs> but anyway, uh, outside Nintendo Direct, Capcom also confirmed that we're finally getting the Wii U versions of Dungeon and, Dungeons & Dragons, Krakos, and Myster- Mysteria on the eShop sometime in August. Wow. It got what? Did I mispronounce it? No, just the oh the delay. Like, Here's what happened. I, I I've been holding out so long for that game. Like, it came out in June. I, I hope know. a lot of people actually do. I've been reading a lot of cons. A lot of people are still holding off for that game. Like I hope enough of them are to actually show that. Yeah. Well, wow, all these people waited, <laughs> and they probably have PS3s too. Like I could have bought in that game when it came out. Well, apparently, what happened was uh, the drop-in, drop-out multiplayer, where literally you can just hop into someone's online game, was not working right on Wii U, and they had to send it back and. Like, Nintendo sent it back to Capcom. I mean, it's not that That's far. apparently what I happened. mean, it just like in general. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have a... A working game. game yeah. yeah. And on top of all that, like, those are just a few eShop games. But then in August, we're also getting the final week of August, we'll be seeing the U.S. version of Pokemon Rumble U, which is now finally confirmed for North America. You know, we previously discussed the Japanese version in the context of how Nintendo's now using NFC. They're making their own NFC-enabled toys that integrate with the Wii U. And, of course... That's going to be a big factor of it here in the U.S. too. So when Rumble U comes out in the States, uh, GameStop is going to be selling 18 different Pokemon figurines for four bucks a, $3.99, 4 bucks a pop. They're, do, they're taking a page out of the Pokemon Train Card Game Booster Pack strategy. You don't know what the Pokemon your gang is. You pay 4 bucks for a concealed capsule. And when you open the capsule, you get your Pokemon. Is the capsule a Pokeball? If it's not, they made a huge mistake. <laughs> Arrested Development reference. <laughs> Since we were talking about it before. But no, it better be. It better be. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, so you get a... You don't know what They really have no other option. They don't. Unless they do like a paper... Like a paper-covered, like, all, like oval-looking thing. But it has to be a Pokeball. Yeah, they, they, they would have to try to not come up with... Someone that. at Nintendo would have to go, we can't do a Pokeball, it's too obvious. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, like... It's like, you know what, we're going to put them in... We're going to put them in like a... You have to think about we're it. We're going to put them in a pitfall from Animal Crossing. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But, uh... No, it's... it's so they're going to be four bucks a pop. How it's going to work is the toys... Uh, much like with the Japanese version... The toys allow you to basically upgrade beyond what you can in the game. So you can get coins in-game as you play through the game. You can use those coins to enhance your Pokemon that's then saved to the toy directly. So you can change out their movesets, you can add special traits, and all this data will be saved on the chip of the, of the Pokemon. So if you go to a friend's house and play multiplayer Rumble U at their house, your stats from your Pokemon will be on their system and you'll continue to upgrade your stats when you bring it, you know, on their system for when you bring it back to yours. Skylanders. Literally like Skylanders. And that, of course, means that there is multiplayer, since I said you can do that. So Rumble U is actually got both cooperative and competitive modes, which is a bit more nice. But I thought it just had, like, bare bones, like, here's a multiplayer mode, here's a single player mode, but they're doing cooperative and competitive. Cooperative, you work together, obviously, to defeat, to bash all the Pokemon. Uh, competitive, you're competing to see who can get the most Pokemon the fastest. Like, kill or destroy or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the whole game, the single, then, of course, there's single player. Which, I mean, Pokemon Rumble is, like, a really, like, simple concept. It's just you're running around whacking Pokemon. Like, it's like an action-y, like, get all the Pokemon. Like, you want to defeat them, and yeah, then they join your team, and they can play as them. It's a younger audience. It's not, yeah. I think it's in for us. No, it's, it's a younger audience. But 
I mean, even the plot. Like, in single player, you're a toy Pokemon that somehow got separated from the toy Pokemon shop, and you turned up next to a river. So, clearly some kid's like, I don't like this toy anymore, and threw it out of car, but car window. But, uh, so your, your journey is getting back from the river to the toy shop. Fight and along the way, toys, you fight through other toys that got abandoned They're well. really angry because... Because they got abandoned. Like, oh, it's you're toy not going story. Back to it's the a plot of Toy Story, basically. No, but, um... Yeah, so the the the, the gameplay is pretty much what it was on 3DS and WiiWare. The difference is the gamepad now lets you do a special attack that knocks over many Pokemon at once. There's a button you touch on the gamepad. And obviously NFC is the huge hook. So, Pokemon Rumble is going to be out August 29th for $18. Which is a bit high for an eShop game. But I guess it's essentially a full-fledged game. And once again, you can get the figurines. Four bucks a pop at GameStop. Quite frankly, I think I'm going to buy a figurine just to have it. Yeah, just like buy the, one. Yeah, like one or two and just be like, this is kind of neat, but I don't think I'm going to get If they the make game. one of my favorite Pokemon. If they don't, then I'm going to. Who's a Pokemon? I, could tell you. I know some of them off the top of my head that they make. No, no, I mean, I know they have a Lucario, so I might get yeah. Lucario or Mewtwo. Well, you don't know what you're going to get. That's the problem. Oh, that's the thing. Well, it, it's, it's concealed. Fine. Well, it's a secret to if, everybody. If that's the case, then, unless there's a Chata in there or a Weavile, I'm not even going to Oh, they're it. not, no. No, I can tell you that right now. Is there a Weavile? I feel like it's not I, Maybe there's a Weavile. There's definitely not a Chata. Like, why would there yeah. be... Why? Why? So, it's like the best That'd be like me ever. going, like, there needs to be a Tangela in there. Like, there's no one nah, cares about Tangela. Tangela evolves. Chata doesn't even get that. But, well, Tangela didn't evolve when I used to like Tangela. When I cared about Tangela back in oh. the red-blue <laughs> days. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I Like, I'm going to get a figurine, but I don't think I'm going to get the game itself. Like... The concept's cool. Like, for kids, it's perfect. You know what's going to happen? Hand we're both going to get a figurine, and they're going to, you know what, let's just get the game just so we could use the figurine. Yeah, we're going to, like, something. split the cost and put it on, like, your Wii U only or something. <laughs> yeah, like right and now. then we'll just start collecting figurines, and then we'll have... Now we're going to have 18 case. different figurines. No, we're going to have, like, 50, because it'll take 50 to get the right, all 18. No, we're going to learn how to catch them That's all. That's genius. And they're going to be trading with kids at the elementary school or whatever to get the rest of them. Oh, yeah, because you, wor- yeah, you work <laughs> there. And I'll, like, be at work being, like... Hi guys, you're <laughs> all my age and adults, but do you have Pokemon figurines to trade? <laughs> but uh, you know what we do? <laughs> we do, in fact. You're, you came to the right place. No, but uh, what was I gonna say? It's honestly, it's genius from a money angle for Nintendo. Because like, they sell so many Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like this happen again. But for like Pokemon more Pokemon, um, and actually, it would have to be more Pokewalker kind of things. They just make, oh, yeah, that yeah. M- make more. Of a Pokeball out of that? Yeah. What it actually is? Yeah. But, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why you start going into the Stewie, how's that story going? Is it coming along night? Or, you know what I'm talking about from Valley Guy, where he's... Because I was trying to, is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, is it making sense? Coming, did you have a big email and a Sunday state? Right, 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 right. yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's, um, that's just going on August alone. All those games I just listed from the direct to Pokemon Rumble, it's just August. Then if you look beyond yeah, August... you're going to be playing Pikmin. Yeah, it's going to be August. Pikmin and Mario and Luigi yeah. for me. Wait, Pikmin, comma, and Mario and Luigi. <laughs> that's that's one game, Mario and Luigi. It's not like I'm saying three games. Uh, yeah, looking beyond August, though, there's further evidence that maybe the Wii U game drought's kind of... No, no, September, we have Wonderful 101, and September 16th. 15th, 16th, 15th, one of those days. But not even that, I mean like third-party-wise. We're, we got announcements. Third-parties are supporting the system again. Sort of. Oh. Well, one in particular. Activision just the other day announced six, six, six different Wii U games. How many that, that's must one buy? six, not three. That's not 666. That's How many of those are must buys? One. <laughs> but the fact is, there's six games. Like, even if they're casual, the fact that there's a company dedicating resources to that's Wii U. True. And six so, is a lot. Yeah. And casual audiences. And they're all by this holiday. They're all going to be out by holiday. So it's in the next four yeah. months. But the, the big one, the one that, like, you know, the one that actually matters, at least for the core gamer, 
is uh, Call of Duty Ghosts, which is now officially, finally, 100% confirmed for Wii U. Uh, unlike the other versions of the game, though, it's not being developed by Infinity Ward. The Wii U edition is actually going to be handled by Treyarch, who seems to do every single Nintendo edition. And of every, every other Call of Duty. Yeah. So, like, last year they did Black Ops 2, but they were also the main developer. So this year, Infinity Ward's the main developer, and Treyarch's handling the port. Which is fine. They do an excellent job. Yeah, apparently they have a third-person developing... Sledgehammer Games. Yeah, so now maybe next year will be... Rumor has it, Sledgehammer Games is doing... Sledgehammer Games is doing Modern Warfare 4. So they're going to have three separate Call of Duties running concurrently. What's the only way they'll be able to... To make the money. Fresh? Oh, hardly. It's already sale. I mean, I have Black Ops 2 and like it, but it's, yeah. Well, they're hoping to keep it fresh. Well, I haven't bought one yet, so I might make this one my first Well, if you do that, I'll buy it so you can play online. But the, uh, yeah, the, they are trying to keep it fresh with Ghost. They're doing some new stuff, much like, uh, the other versions of the game, Call of Duty Ghost on Wii U is gonna have underwater levels, you're gonna be able to control a dog, which is apparently a major selling point now. Um, it's gonna have revamped multiplayer with all sorts of new tiers and, you know, ske- like schematics and maps and whatnot. Uh, and it's gonna have a brand new game, uh, engine running it. Oh. Now, Here's the thing. When they announced our next-gen engine for Call of Duty Ghost, they were referring to the one on PS4 and Xbox One, obviously. But in the press release for the Wii U version, they continued to mention the new engine. So I'm guessing whatever new engine we're getting, it's going to be the same one that PS3 and Xbox 360 are getting. But either way, we're getting one. And in terms of uh, Wii U features, they did confirm Wii Remote-based control, motion control will be back for people that like that one-to-one motion. And the gamepad will be used in some fashion. Probably, a... they didn't say how... They didn't, they didn't say how, but if it's anything like Black Ops 2, it's going to be Could you awesome. use it as a headset in Black Ops 2? You can. So you just you, talk. What if you're using Wiimote Nunchuck? Then you can't. I don't think. I don't know. I never tried it. It'll Wiimote be like Nunchuck. We Speak. It's the <laughs> I remember We Speak. One game supported it. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, so they're going to use the gamepad in some form. I'm guessing off TV play and like a map and multiplayer details like it was in Black Ops 2. Which I thought was perfectly fine for the purpose. Because you're not going to be really looking at the gamepad if you're shooting someone on TV. Like, it's fine to have that, like, just extra info when you need it. But whatever they do, I'm just very happy to see Ghost actually get confirmed for Wii U. Like, this is a major title. It's important that's on the system. Yeah, you know, it's, show, it's like... It's two like, for two so far. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's like when Madden didn't show up on Wii U this year. It's kind of like, that's a major blow. Even though we're not going to buy Madden. Lots of Nintendo gamers aren't going to buy Madden. The fact that you have a system that you can't play Madden on is kind of weird. So it's good that uh, Ghost won't be going down the same path. But I am a little confused about why Activision had to hold out to announce this for so long. We, we've talked, when we uh, when it got leaked day 3 that's probably coming to Wii U, we talked about how it's weird that Activision chooses to be secretive because it kind of runs counterintuitive you know, to their end goal of, well, we want to promote our game, so how do we do it? By not talking about it. It doesn't make sense. But the thing I don't get even more is, okay, so they didn't talk about it. They waited six weeks, whatever. Why, after six weeks, do they then not announce it in an interesting way? Like, the blowout for the for the first announcement, you know, when they announced it in May, they had, like, a televised event, and then in June, they did, like, a whole big thing. And now this time, they put out a press release and a picture of the box, not a single screenshot, not a single video. What do they have against the Nintendo versions? They did this with Black Ops 2 as well. They announced it in September, and they had footage, but they had no screenshots for a while. And then with uh, Modern Warfare 3 on Wii, they, don't, they didn't release screenshots until two weeks before the game came out. And those screenshots were on the back of a box that someone scanned. They weren't even official. Like, what do they... I don't understand. Like, it looks on par. Black Ops 2 looks pretty much on par with the other versions. I don't get why... Like, why do they do this? It doesn't make sense. purposely wanted to fail? 
I guess. I'm just hoping that they're a little more proactive with their post-release support, because Black Ops 2 still doesn't have any DLC whatsoever on Wii U. Wow. So, which is crazy, because Activision loves money. Like, they're turning down money. There are people that will give them money if they do that. But I'm hoping that they change that with Ghost, especially because uh, GameStop is already listing Ghost as having pre-order DLC for Wii U. So, then again, GameStop also said Nuketown was going to be pre-ordered DLC for Black Ops 2 on Wii U, and that didn't happen, so who knows. But, uh, yeah, outside of, outside of Call of Duty, uh, there were those five other games that Activision announced, and they're not quite as exciting. They're more casual-friendly fare. So they're new, there's a new game based on the Wipeout TV show, woo, called uh, Wipeout Create and Crash. There's a SpongeBob platformer. They got the license from THQ, and THQ went under. So now they're making SpongeBob SquarePants Plankton's Robotic Revenge, and they're also reconfirmed previously announced titles like Angry Bridge Trilogy, Skylanders Swap Force, both coming in October. Uh, Trilogy's out next month, Sky Force is in October. Oh yeah, and one game that was announced at Comic-Con that's probably worth mentioning, and that is Angry Birds Star Wars. It's not, coming to not Wii the U. Angry Birds you just mentioned. Different. No, different Angry Birds. Wii U, Wii, and 3DS are all getting Angry Birds Star Wars, which is not Trilogy. It's literally just the 200 levels of Star Wars, the Star Wars edition, plus an additional 20 bonus levels, uh, you know, revamped HD graphics on Wii U, and a first in the franchise, multiplayer. Angry Birds has multiplayer now. So there's actually two types of multiplayer. There's two-player co-op, where you're taking turns, and you're trying to knock down the same tower. And there's competitive multiplayer, where you're going to see who can get the highest score. And just like in Trilogy, which hits Wii U next month, uh, Star Wars, the console version, and handheld version of Star Wars, will have online leaderboards. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. I, I'm honestly shocked Angry Birds doesn't have that on iOS, because, like, Game Center is baked into iOS, and that's, like, free leaderboard system, basically. Why don't they just hook into it? But that's not really the point. Anyway, Angry Birds Star uh, Angry Birds Stars wasn't actually the only game that was announced at Comic-Con. There were some, annou- some other announcements, too. Sega and Capcom announced new games that, well... They announced old games that are new again. I guess that's the best way to put it. So Sega had maybe the bigger announcement. They confirmed that they will, in fact, be bringing their uh, 3D game remakes to the West. If you recall, yeah, not. Uh, I don't think so. Because he was really, really hoping for Sonic. It's coming. Oh. Well, here, yeah, here's what it is. Uh, they're releasing. They did this in Japan. We've talked about a few of them on past episodes. But basically, they're revamping a bunch of classic Genesis games and arcade games into. I think what Nintendo gave up on doing. Yeah, the th- it's the 3D classic series. But now it's Sega taking their stab at it, and they're just going. Not NES games, which is yeah. actually really cool. Yeah, and they're calling it Sega 3D Classics. So not the most creative name, but yeah. So it's uh, they'll be trickling them out one at a time on both American and European eShops. The full list of games is actually pretty long. 3D Altered Beast, 3D Echo the Dolphin, 3D Galaxy Force 2. 3D Echo the Dolphin? 3D Echo the Dolphin. I could get behind that game. Yeah, uh, 3D Galaxy Force 2, 3D Shinobi 3, 3D Sonic the Hedgehog, 3D Space Harrier, 3D Streets of Rage, and 3D Super Hang-On. It's a lot of games. No word on pricing, no word on release dates, but they're coming one at a time. And I don't know why I had to read the 3D in each one's title. It's kind of a given. (laughs) <laughs> but I will say, uh, I'm definitely interested in the games that, I don't know, I mean, you seem to be into Echo, based on what you, your reaction just now. Yeah, I'll probably check out a few of them. Yeah, I'm I'm most interested but, in the ones that actually, like, use the 3D. Like, Echo's a side-scroller, Golden, or, did I say Golden Axe? Is that even on the list? I think it's Not Golden Axe. Axe. Uh, Shinobi's a side-scroller, Streets of Rage is a side-scroller, Altered Beast is a side-scroller, so those are like, okay, sure, it's gonna be parallax layers, whatever, there'll be some, like, It'll look like you're looking at, like, a dire... I don't know. It won't be that cool, in my opinion. But then you have Space Harrier, Galaxy Force 2, and Super Hang-On. 
all three of which you're going into the screen either on a motorcycle, a jet, or a spaceship. And that just makes sense in 3D. It'd be like kind of like Star Fox 64 3D, but Genesis games and arcade games. So I can get behind those. Like, I think Super Hang-On could be super cool in 3D, as could Space Harrier and uh, Galaxy Force 2. But I don't know... Like, the side scrollers feel like it's less of an effort to convert. You know what I mean? So I wonder if, like... I wouldn't be surprised if the side scrollers end up being cheaper. Like, if Echo the Dolphin 3D is, like, a buck less than, say... I doubt they'll be cheaper. They'll probably... Actually, they'll probably just raise them up to the higher price. They'll probably all be the same price. Yeah, but it just seems like, like... Not that they're lazy, but, like, if you look at, like, Kirby's Adventure, the 3D classic version... And then you look at, like, Excitebike 3D. Honestly, Kirby's Adventure, like, it still looked cool. It did, honestly. but it's just, like, and, and if that, you compare the two, there's, like, they're, like... Yeah, but yeah. honestly, like, Mighty Switch Force 2 has some of the best 3D I've seen on but, any But 3D keep in I've mind... Seen. And keep, that's a side-scroller. Yeah, but that was built for the 3D. I know. These are like, just, they're taking the multiple no, no, layers. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, 2D games could still look just as good, if not better. Like, Sonic has a lot of particle elements True. that could really pop out. Especially those, um... Chaos Emerald levels. Oh, the, the tubes? No, no, that's in Sonic 2. In, in Sonic 1, it's, um, <laughs> you're like in a weird optical illusion right, place right. that looks kind of weird and trippy, but... No. Right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of nitpicking, but still. It's great that we're getting them. And Capcom is not letting, have, is not letting Sega have all the eShop fun. They, later that same day, confirmed plans for more Mega Man games on the 3DS eShop, so we'll be seeing Mega Man 2, 3, 4, 5, and the Game Boy Colors Mega Man Extreme, that's spelled with an X with no E, 1 and 2. Yeah, all are coming so to So people them. that are saying that Capcom doesn't love Mega Man, well, look at that. Yeah, look at that. You're getting a bunch of old games, and there's a giant statue of him at Comic-Con, and nothing else. <laughs> oh, and a pin. You get a 25th anniversary pin. That's nice. But yeah, it, uh, yeah it, it's really smart, Capcom to cash in. You know they're doing all this because the buzz about Mega Man and Smash Bros. Like, it's easy money. I just hope this leads to a new game, because this is not the anniversary that, that the Blue Bomber truly deserves. I don't think Samus deserved the anniversary Samus got. Oh, <laughs> Samus didn't get one. That's even worse. You're right. Metroid was sad. Well, it's not, it's not her fault. It's in the same year as Zelda, so... Yeah, true. I mean, Pit didn't get anything? Yeah, well, Pit's meaningless compared to Metroid and... Like, Kid Icarus compared to Metroid and <laughs> Zelda? Yeah. That's like... I mean, he like, did hey, get remember a new that? game recently. But, yeah, um, but that's, he's had two, three games in 25 years. Metroid's <laughs> had like eight. Yeah. But, I mean, that uh, that pretty much wraps up the news with the exception of Jason Sales Corner, which we're going to do. Then we have Street Pass Impressions, and that will pretty much... And then we'll finally tell you how I got that Pikmin shirt. So, Jason Sales Corner. It, uh... June numbers came out. MPD released the numbers for June, and... Yeah... The industry, as we start with always, the industry is not the happiest news. Uh, it was down 15% year over year, so this June compared to last June. 14% down in software sales. Hardware fell by a third. 30% down in hardware, which is pretty bad. So, you know, generally speaking, not so great. The downward trend continues. It's not as dramatic as last, as in May, where it was like the lowest since 2003 or something. But it's not great. Funny, you kind of sound like a, like a weather... Forecast. Do I? <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. You're right. We're in the low 30s. We're in the low 30s. You know, it's a, it's gonna be uh but but on the on the three the three DS front is now coming in, and uh, you know it's it's bright sunny skies for the three DS. Actually, things are looking quite up. You're gonna have a nice warm weekend with the three DS. You can go outside and <laughs> play some Animal Crossing, and you know go catch some bugs because the bug catch off is coming up. Maybe I might be wrong. The, about the bug that. tournament was during Comic Con. I knew that. Anyway, no, the three DS actually is looking good. Uh, it was the number one selling system. In June, second month in a row, it sold 225,000 units, which is actually an increase of 40% over June 2012. 
And, for comparison, second place system uh, in June this year was Xbox 360, and that was only 100. Right. And it's that always was, up there. It's always there. And that was only 140,000. But 3DS is always increasing. I don't think I've heard you say it's gone down. In no, not at all. No, it's, it's, it's doing super well for Since Nintendo. Since the price drop, at least. It's, well, be, it's more recently, just the stream of games they put out this spring is what really propelled it. I mean, this is the, the fact that it outsold the Xbox 360, you know, 225,000 to 140,000. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean... That's Animal Crossing. I've right heard there. across all avenues that it's like the game with the best... Game lineup right now. So yeah, no, that that, true, yeah. that is totally Animal Crossing right there. I mean, Animal Crossing was the second best selling game of the month, only behind PS3's The Last of Us, which obviously was gonna be number one. Um, that got a lot of advertising too. It did. And Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing got a fair share. Animal Crossing had crazy buzz on Twitter. It was trending on Twitter, like world, like nationwide at some points. But it managed to sell half a million copies, five hundred five thousand copies in June alone. Twenty uh, percent of those were from the eShop. A fifth came from the eShop, which is actually, you know, that's a really high down digital download rate. And it's actually the second highest only to uh, Fire Emblem's debut. Fire Emblem Awakening had a higher ratio of digital to retail. And that was simply because of the shortage, I would guess. Because obviously Animal Crossing makes more sense as a digital title. Says the guy who bought the physical title. But, you know. But yeah, um, and, and, it, and the other thing about Animal Crossing doing so well is New Leaf actually sold double the debut of the last Animal Crossing game, Wild World. When Wild World came out, keep in mind, in the midst of the holiday season in December 2005, it sold around 250000 And now here's New Leaf in the summer, and it's selling double that. So clearly the franchise is much bigger now than it ever was. And Nintendo's actually, they're doing their internal tracking suggests that it's continuing to sell at a higher rate and sell super well, and they're expecting it to be a very big game throughout the entire summer. So probably on the top of the July chart, maybe even August... It's it's it could be the evergreen title that Nintendo's been hoping it could become. Yeah. So there's that, and not just it's not just Animal Crossing either. Like the other 3DS titles really. I mean, didn't Fire Emblem do way better than they expected? Yeah, I yeah, mean, it did. It sold like two hundred. I, mean, I didn't even expect for it to be as popular as it was. Yeah, it it did super it's well. Supposed to be a niche title. Yeah, and then it, <laughs> I mean it was relative. It was it is relative to like million sellers, but it did quite well for itself. I mean, it it still has the highest eShop download rate of any title. Yeah. Even Nive, Nive and Animal Crossing beat it, like I just said, but um. And, like, Fire Emblem, Animal Crossing, all those have helped propel the 3DS, as have games like Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D and Luigi's Mansion, which both charted this month. Uh, Donkey Kong Country 3D's return... Wow. Donkey Kong Country <laughs> Returns 3D. 3D return. <laughs> his 3D is back in action. He is fully polygonal. No, his, uh... Donkey Kong came in number, uh, seventh on the... Ch- was the seventh on the chart this month, and it had combined retail eShop sales total in June of 108,000 copies, which is respectable. What's interesting is that's a mix of retail and eShop. And the reason I point that out is because Luigi's Mansion came in number 10 on the chart this month. NPD only tracks physical copies, not eShop. So it came in number 10, but in the month of June, it sold 115,000 copies. So yeah, it actually sold more than Donkey Kong during the month, but more of those copies were digital than Donkey Kong's, which is why it's lower on the chart, but higher in the ra- in the raw number. Does that makes sense? Yeah. Like, they switched places because of the eShop, basically. So, basically, tracking is not as accurate as it used to be. Well, uh, NPD if is... you're only looking at one side. NPD is rolling out digital tracking later this year, which obviously we'll cover. But, yeah, right now, the only way you can get, like, the eShop number... If you know... The only way you can get digital numbers is if the companies release them, and they only do when it's positive. So, like, Nintendo will put out one number 
which will suggest Luigi's Mansion is selling better than Donkey Kong, yet Donkey Kong's on the chart higher than Luigi's Mansion, and it just gets confusing. But either way, they're doing well. They're both doing well. Luigi's Mansion is already at 750,000 copies sold since it came out. And for Luigi's Mansion, which isn't the biggest franchise ever, three quarters of a million in two months is not bad at all. It came out two months ago? came out very end of March. So it was on the March chart for like for a day. It's been out forever. Yeah, it, it, there's so many games on 3DS that you just, they just like, feel like, you know, uh, they're just so rapid honestly, fire. Honestly, I feel like I played it last year. Like, I haven't, I feel like I haven't played it in forever. Yeah. And I mean, it's just because they're doing them rapid fire in part. Because there's always a new 3DS well, game, game right now. That too. But it, it's just like, the rate they're releasing games, like, it's really helping the 3DS. Because, I mean, overall, software sales for 3DS were up 105%. More than double what they were in June 2012 for June 2013. Wow. Yeah. And uh, since the start of 2013, Nintendo has moved over 3.6 million first-party 3DS games. Like, they've sold that many, which is a 85% jump compared to the first half of 2012's 3DS game sales. So, it does help when you release a bunch of high-profile games. It actually, believe it or not, actually leads to sales. Who would have thought? And uh, when you look at like retail versus eShop, since Nintendo released those numbers and obviously MPD has the retail numbers, you actually see there's a discrepancy, kind of like I was just talking about. And that discrepancy shows that 11% of all of Nintendo's sales since the start of 2013 have been digital. And that's actually, having over a tenth of your customers downloading your games instead of buying them when you're a platform with cartridges is actually a pretty impressive penetration rate. Like that's... Obviously, like, systems that are built for download, like iPhone, where it's only that, obviously that's pathetic. It's a good sign that transition is The transition's happening, and it's working, and... I mean, Nintendo's doing a lot more promotions now. I mean, we had the Shimigami Tensei 4, Fire Emblem, buy them both, get $30 credit. If you... If you if you spend thirty bucks, you get ten dollars. No, you, you get five dollars if you spend. If you put down fifty dollars into your eShop account, you get five dollars. If you put a hundred, you get ten dollars, free money. What they're basically what they're doing is they're having you put the money in in advance for the games you're going to download because they can make interest off it now, and they just reward you with a little cash as a or a little extra credit as a thank you. Yeah, it's actually kind of, it's like a pre-order system of sorts, except yeah, you don't have to much. pick the game. But so um, digital copy's gonna run out. Yeah, yeah, and I mean beyond just the eShop, those things are clearly based on the numbers I just rattled off. Things are looking up, like things are looking good for 3ds. In fact. This is kind of the plan that Satoru Iwata, Nintendo's global president, first told investors when he was saying how, you know, 3DS is struggling the West, but we're going to turn it around. He said they're going to do it by having a steady slate of games come out rapid fire. It'll be Fire Emblem, Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing, Donkey Kong, you know, all those games just back to back to back. And he, he, uh, he kind of delivered. It did exactly what he said it would do. And it's not just here in the States. It's in Europe, too, where he made the same promise. In the UK, for example, the 3DS actually, um is now outselling the PS3 and the Xbox 360 on a week-by-week basis. Whoa. And it's the only system in the UK to have seen year-over-year game sales go up. PS3 and 360 sales are weaker than a year ago. 3DS, they're higher. And currently, 8 of the top 40 games on the UK chart are 3DS. So almost a quarter of all the games being sold are for 3DS. So it's clearly, clearly what I wanted planned worked exactly as he planned, and I guess... Investors are happy with it because uh, Nintendo stocks at two-year high, so it's working exactly. It's working exactly how I said it worked, and it's paying off exactly how you would think it would pay off. 3DS is turning around. Everybody's just like grinning to himself. Oh, totally. Well, no, because here's the thing: 3DS is doing super well, but can they do the same for Wii U? 
Because Iwata basically said, here's what we're going to do for 3DS. His grin just turned into a kind of a frown. Yeah, just now. Like, as I said it, his frown, his, his, uh... He's like, I'm doing good. Oh, that's right, the Wii U. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, the 3DS was in the same boat the Wii U is currently in. And then Nintendo basically said, here's what we're going to do. And they outlined it, and they executed it, and it paid off. So now the question is, can their strategy of software drives hardware, which they're kicking off with Pikmin in a couple weeks, will that replicate, that will play out the exact same way? I mean, obviously Nintendo hopes so. But, there's, you know, we're just kind of in a holding pattern until then. We don't really know. What we do know is that Nintendo still isn't releasing official Wii U sales numbers because they're probably abysmal. Leaks suggest that, once again, sold between thirty and 35,000 units uh, in the month of June, which is about what it sold the, mo- the previous month. But unfortunately means that the gap in its total sales between it and the GameCube at this point in its life is growing. GameCube being the... You know you have a problem when the GameCube, Nintendo's weakest console is now outpacing your sales even more than it was a month or two ago, you know? Like, that's not that's not good news. So, uh, this is going to make the turnaround for the Wii U even harder, because, you know, people will be like, well, GameCube was even doing better at this point. So, it also doesn't help that uh, the Wii's current software sales are super low, especially uh, in the UK. We don't have US numbers, but in the UK, since the start of the year, since January 2013... They've only sold 179,000 units of Wii U software in the UK. Across all all games for the Wii U. Just to remind you, Donkey Kong, a port of a Wii game here in the US for 3DS, sold only about, uh, I don't know, 60,000 less than that in a one month. And the Wii U took six months to sell that much. Like, that's not that good. Um... Just to give you some, like, comparison points. It's a shame, though. They're running out of that time that we can say, oh, it's still only six months old kind of thing. Well, luckily, Pikmin. Pikmin's out in Europe already. But I don't think that's a system seller. I don't think they're going to have a real system seller till Zelda in October. Pikmin will boost it a little, but it's a niche title. Wonderful 101 is not a system seller. Unless they somehow bump, like, unless they kind of stumble into a random surprise hit. But that's more of a niche title as well, I feel like. Yeah. So a few episodes ago, I remember you you mentioned there was a point of no return, or like there was a month or something. Like if they're not turned around, or I think something. I said a year. So basically, by November, yeah. If things aren't looking a little up, then they're done. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all, you can never say that for sure. But well, yeah. They, I, mean, I mean, we're already something could always happen. Yeah, and we're already kind of at a point of no return. If the game, I mean, the game keeps outpacing it so much. I mean, yeah, GameCube's outpacing it so much already. Like the gap between GameCube sales at this point in its life and Wii U's is like growing much, much bigger than it was. And it's just like, and then when you look at those, like, when, like the UK software sales I was just saying, like, those are really low. That 179,000 units in six months. Now, here's some comparisons, just to give you an idea of how low that is. The Vita is, uh, sold, wait, sorry, hold on. Yeah, the Vita sold 20,000 more than that. And the Vita is basically a dead system. The, uh... could get a new lease on life when the PS4 comes out. That's Maybe. true, but for the time being. Yeah. The 3DS managed to sell, uh... 400,000 more games than what the Wii sold. The uh, Xbox 360 sold, oh, you know, 4 million more games. And the PS3 sold 3 million more games than what the Wii sold. Granted, they have much bigger libraries with lots of stuff discounted. I understand that completely. But when you have a system that does have a library of 40 or 50 games, you would think the gap would not be 179,000 to 4 million. <laughs> That's nuts. And then even individual third parties aren't too pleased with uh, Wii U game sales. I mean, Ubisoft put out a uh, put out a financial report that had to list the 
breakdown of which systems are selling, you know, which systems are, their game sales are occurring on. And it looked roughly, yeah, PS3 at 23% of all game sales are PS3 copies. Um, all of Ubisoft's game sales, another 23% are for Xbox 360. And then you got the Wii U with 3% of Ubisoft's total game sales are for Wii U. That's only 1% more than the PlayStation Vita. So, interestingly, it's also 2% more than the 3DS, but Ubisoft doesn't release anything on 3DS anymore, so that's not a surprise. So, you know, in summary of all this Jason sales current stuff, it kind of goes like this. 3DS is firing on all cylinders now, and it's going exactly as I want to plan, and the Wii U continues to be a waiting game. That's it. Software sales are obviously... The technically hasn't even started yet, huh? What? Like, the ball hasn't really... It won't roll until Pikmin in a couple weeks. Yeah. So. Originally, they were saying Game & Wario would be the ball, but then they kind of gave up on that. Remember when they were like, Game & Wario in the spring will be the star of our renaissance, so to speak? If you Game & Wario, then Wii Fit, then Pikmin. Well, Wii Fit disappeared. Game & Wario, they just kind of quietly released without much fanfare. And now Pikmin's the real beginning. Because, yeah, with Pikmin, it's a game a month, plus all the eShop stuff we listed earlier, so that's pretty good. Pretty good rate. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't, Like I said, I don't think Pikmin's going to be a system seller, I think it might give an uptick of some sort, but it's not going to be like suddenly... It's not going to be like the Wii U's going to go from 30000 one month to like 500000 the next. Yeah, only like Smash Bros. and Mario Kart yeah. can really do that. But naturally, as the Wii U does turn around, we'll obviously have the numbers and report them to all you guys listening and give our analysis as we always do. And that pretty much wraps it up for news. We just have Street Pass impressions, so... Thanks for sticking with us at the two-hour mark. Comic-Con, Comic-Con does that. We are at the two-hour mark, are we not? Yep. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll keep these tree pass impressions, I guess, kind of short. Um, well, the games are pretty short. So yeah, there's four that. different games you can get. You can get them individually for five bucks a pop, or all four for f- fifteen dollars. A savings of five dollars. And there's a wonderful sales bunny who helps you purchase your games. Yeah, I raved it, about him last episode using his golden Dell XPS Windows 8 tablet. Yeah, what was with that? He had like a crazy like tablet. Why did he have a tablet? Because he. Why is Nintendo promoting tablets? <laughs> like, I don't understand. But no, the sales bunny is definitely a contender for a new Smash Bros. character. And actually just a replacement for Mario. He should just be the new mascot on Nintendo. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to get flamed so hard for that. But, maybe, maybe we need time for change. Yeah, it's time for change. Mar- Mario can hang up the overalls. The bunny can put on the overalls. We need, we need one of those hope posters for the bunny. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, we do. I forgot the name of the artist. Uh, Shepherd Smith, Smith Shepherd, Shepherd Smith. No, Shepherd Smith is a Fox News correspondent. Shepherd Fairy, Fairy Shepherd, Shepherd, Shepherd Fairy. Thank you. Shepherd Fairy. Shepherd Smith is a Fox News correspondent. Who, fun fact, once stuck his tongue out at me when I was a child. Interpret that how you will. It was all in good fun. It wasn't creepy. I'm not sure. But anyway, so uh, Street Pass DLC. First, generally speaking. Um, do you want to go first, or should I just run through my thoughts? Um, I guess we'll just go one by one. Well, I was going to say generally, just about the whole, oh, what they've changed. Um, I'm just going to say Overall, please? Yeah, I think they did an excellent... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had a couple... It's a, little, it's a little too general for me to, like, really... Yeah, okay, then I'll, I'll do this, and then we can go game by game. I'm just going to say that overall, I think, uh... First of all, they're more flushed out. The games as a whole, all four of them, are more flushed out than uh, anything that's been on Street Pass before. Namely, find me in the plot and the puzzles. But they're free, so 
Yeah, those are free. These are actual games. It's funny that like they're you could tell they're more complicated because each game has a sidekick character that actually explains how it works and is there to like mentor you through it every single time. Like that's how you know the games are more complicated when there's a guy that has to come out and go, "Well, here's how it works, buddy," and walk you through it. But uh, and plus, it takes like you know, find me. You can do it in like three minutes. These four games combined, it's on average you're looking at like fifteen twenty minutes of playtime. Yeah, which is fine if you're street passing every so often. And but it when could we be were more at- or less depending on what you're actually trying to do because there yeah. are. Little strategies in each game, depending on whether you want to... Like, let's take... Well, I guess we could just start with Warrior's Way. Yeah. Like, the that one is like an army building game. And every time you street pass, if your army is bigger than the person you street passed, and your army is made up of how many people you have in your plaza. So if you have a 3,000 population... Which, by the way, is a super clever use of plaza population. I know, my... Because it, it tracks everyone you street pass in their plaza size as well. So you'll, yeah. they'll join your army. So, like, my army started with 3,000 people. And then I street passed someone with, like, 2,000. So their 2,000 got added to my army. But yeah. then I street passed someone with 70,000. So I could either challenge them to a battle. And if I win, I get to take their people. But I'll most likely lose. So you could just greet peacefully and they'll just leave. Yeah. So you could potentially get no one. Yeah. But, and then after you're done recruiting people, if you feel confident enough to go take on the... 19 countries that you take on one by one to yep. take over the world or whatever, then you could go and do it. Otherwise, you could just keep stalking your army. Yeah. I do like how the game is so nonchalant about taking over the world. It's really like, let's go conquer the world, and shall the, we? Yeah, yeah, All the, right, they, guys. They say, like, like, it's like, hey, what do you want to do today? Conquer the world. It's like Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. It's Pinky and Brain made a video game. But no, I was going to say, uh, going back to, yeah, it takes longer. Like, your that's a prime example. It could take two minutes or, like, 20 minutes, but... And, like, uh, Me Force, which is a side-scrolling shooter, there's a whole level you play. Like, it's definitely, when we were at Comic-Con, like, the, the goal of sharing these impressions now was it's going to be like, oh, after Comic-Con, we played so much. But quite frankly, it took so long that I was just like, I'm just going to do this later. Like, yeah, I think I only I did, like, it on yeah. shuttle rides. Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's not, they're really fun, and they're a great addition to but Street Pass, but they're not good for big events. They're not something you can just do while you're in It's line. not a Only puzzle. the puzzle. Yeah, the puzzle yeah. is, like, perfect for... And even find me a little, because you can just hold down the button and it kind of runs itself. You just have yeah. to hit A a few I, times. Unless you have to do, like, a color thing. Yeah, and I, I make it sound like it's a negative. It's not necessarily a negative. It's no, just it different. Just, it just gives you more stuff to do yeah, you when just you get to, home and you're, like, you just want to... Yeah, something. but it makes it harder to, like, if you're street passing uh, a thousand people, like we did at Comic-Con, yeah. literally, it's a lot harder. But it's definitely, no, they're definitely fun, and I really like how they all are very closely tied together. They all share the, uh, like, uh, not achievements, accomplishments system that was introduced in the last Street Pass update, like, a year ago. So each game, if you do certain things, you get an army of a certain size in Warrior's Way, for example, you'll get a ticket. And the ticket you can now buy hats and clothes with, which is another new thing in the update. I mean, they've had hats, but now it's like a rotating catalog. Each day has different hats, and there's now full body clothing, like yeah, Donkey Kong Yeah, like suits. for some way, I already have a Donkey Kong hat, but then I noticed there was Donkey Kong costume. It was a, which yes, is it was a Donkey Kong suit and tie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and the other thing I was going to say is and that... And they change every day, so... Yeah, you have four a day, and they rotate, and it's in your best interest to check, because you may, who knows, you may miss a skinned Isabel from Animal Crossing. yeah. Which is kind of creepy if you think about it. It's literally half her head on your head. I don't know. Like, I got half of the... Her head is hollow. The, the monkey they took her brain out of her head. Oh. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, or you have the monkey from Rhythm Heaven, like I just... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still, like, half of his head, but it's a Rhythm they, Heaven. They, they find, skinned the monkey. They acknowledged Rhythm Heaven. Yeah, yeah. Nintendo <laughs> likes Rhythm Heaven a little. But, um... <laughs> also, one other thing, in generally speaking, is... These games in particular, the more street passes, the better, which almost runs counterintuitive to what I was just saying about it's harder to do. Like, you want yeah. to get as close to 10 as you can, because it actually is harder. Some of these games are actually harder when you only have one person you're street passing. So you're either going to be spending more play coins, 
or gonna be saving street passes for when you have. Or you don't done. get much done. Or you don't get much done. Like, or you just die. Cause like Flower, in Me Force. Yeah, like well, we could just start with Me Force then. Uh, yeah. Let's let's just do that. Sure. Because Me Force. One of the things that I was kind of worried about was that I could just like, oh, if I'm skilled enough, I could just street pass one person and go through every single level yeah. nonstop and just never die. Well, just to explain real quick. Me Force side scrolling sheer like Gradius. Uh, your ship, you arm it. Sorry, I'm trying to start yeah. for people that don't know. Uh, your ship, you're armed, arming it with weaponry. The weaponry comes from people you street pass. Their shirt color determines the type of weapon they give you. And their little floating items you pick up with little speech bubbles like, Hey, pick me up. Or, hi, I'm a me. Or, I'm your weapon. Or, I'm making things up now. But, so you attach them and you can have four weapons armed at any one time. And you can rotate them around the ship by hitting R and L. So there's parts where you're scrolling up, parts where you're scrolling right, down, left. And you can point to the weapons in those directions. But there's room for up to ten weapons. So on the touch screen, you can actually... Like, rejigger the weapons and decide which one you want to be your primaries, and the other's just kind of there to switch out if you get to a boss. But they power up your weapon, so if you they have like power three up. in one slot, you're going to be at full yeah. power for the whatever weapon is. Yeah. All the way to so, the really, it's just like which one, which powered up weapon do you want to be the one that's actually firing? Yeah. Is what that's primarily for. But you're saying, uh, level, you're saying difficulty. You're talking about difficulty. Oh, yeah, because um, since it is like a, a side scrolling shooter game, mm-hmm. um, I was worried that you could just play through the whole thing and. It wouldn't stop you, but it actually does stop you. You can only play one level per street pass. Yep. And that pretty much means, like, okay, that means I can't just burn through it. And yeah. It, and it is hard enough that you probably do want more than at least five people or four Honestly, people. Honestly, even, like, I'm on, like, f- very early in it. And even on the, or, well, I'm past it now, but at the time, even on the earlier levels, when I only had, like, one street pass... You know, it's like, oh, if you miscalculate something or if you try and go get a gem, because there's gems you collect which give you bonus points because there's a score There's a score you're trying to re- you're trying to match or, su- uh, or yeah, exceed to get, like, words, bonus so. points and whatnot. But so I was trying to get a gem to do that score thing. And then, you know, it's a tight fit, and I got hit by a guy, and I'm like, well, that's it. There goes my one street pass. That's it. I mean, they give you three tries, but if you keep making the same mistake like I was doing, you're not going to progress. So it definitely helps to have more weapons because – or more me's because that means more weapons, which means if your guy gets hit, you still have four other weapons to use. Because that's the thing that I probably should have mentioned. The Mii's double as lives. Each weapon's a life. Or a hit, I should say. Yep. So so when you only have one, it's one hit kill. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. But it just adds to the challenge, really. But yeah, Mii Force... Mii Force, I feel like graphically, Mii Force is like the most rudimentary. It looks like very... Like, it looks nice, but it's very like... The backgrounds are just like gradients. Like, just like fading colors. Like, it's very simple. Yeah. It gets yeah. the job done, but it, it definitely looks like the simplest of the bunch. I've used the word simple a lot this episode. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but so that that's me Force. Um, Flower Town? That one... It's not... I would just say it's the least exciting one, but it still is pretty deep. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Flower Town is the closest... Of the four new games, Flower Town is the closest to a... Uh, like 2.0 of the puzzle panel swapping. Yeah. Cause like how Flower Town works, they like collect all the flowers. Exactly. Cross pollination. Yeah, how Flower Town works is uh, Wendell. His name is Wendell, right? Yeah. He talked. No, Mendel. Mendel was an M. Oh. He talks way too much, by the way. Mister Mendel, as he goes by, uh, walks you through all this. But essentially, you, like Jose said, you're you're trying to build a flower collection. So you do that through cross pollination with other players and watering plants. So how it works is you uh, you have a flower, you're growing it. When you street pass someone, they show up and they water your plant. And then they and then the wind blows conveniently at the right moment. And you swap, and your plants swap pollen, and they can cross-pollinate. And that leads to new breeds. And ultimately, there's you want to fill up your flower book, which is like all these photos, different, or flower journal, or whatever they call it. And you cross a set up your own garden and have all your flowers on display and take a photo and whatnot. But 
the fact that like the me shows up and they do an action that gives you something and then they leave and that's the extent of it is just like identical to the puzzles to me like the cross pollination i view is basically being like getting a puzzle piece yeah for the more... flower it's like a puzzle piece in the bigger flower puzzle yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that one you could probably also do in line just like the puzzle, just because it's just, you could kind of fast forward yep, the whole thing. Definitely. And just... But there are some cool twists on it beyond just like cross pollination, which the, because how it works is so you get the flower, you cross pollinate, you finish growing your flower, then you can p- plant a new seed from the cross pollination, get a new flower, rinse and repeat. But there's a couple things that are kind of cool about it. One is the graphics are really good. They look super realistic. Like the flowers look good, the shop looks good. Like, the little garden that you meet the street passes in, like, there's, like, lots of plants with, like, individual leaves on them. and so It looks really good. Like, I was kind of blown away yeah. by it. And the second thing is there's also this, like, weird, like, faux, like, pseudo-social aspect. Where, like, everyone you street pass, until you close the app in that street pass session, will be in your garden and you can talk to them. And they show you what flower they're growing and they have some little one-liner. I haven't found a way to edit my one-liner i guess it's generated by the game you know like oh, when you talk yeah. to them and it's like oh i aggressively grow flowers whatever <laughs> that means and it's like okay you do that or like i like to eat the flower when i grow it or whatever but yeah so they'll show you their flower and it's a cool way to like see what's in the game because i'm guessing there's thousands of flower combinations but, yeah, but it's, it's like, super, like, fake social, because it's, like, you go up to them, like, hi! And then when you, like, are done talking, like, see you later! It's like, mm-hmm. I've never seen you again. You're from Alabama. I don't go to Alabama. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just... It's it's, it's a nice little extra that is kind of, like, a second layer to it. Yeah, it caught me by surprise. I... I my least favorite, but that's not saying I appreciate like the simplicity. <laughs> I, I appreciate the simplicity. Like, puzzle... I like puzzle... The puzzle swap a lot. Just, yeah. like, the concept of it. So I do appreciate... This is just a spin on that. Like, I appreciate the simplicity, and I like how it's something you can do when you're in line, like at Comic-Con. But, yeah, if you're paying five bucks, it seems like you'd want something a little more gaming. This why, is a flower simulation. This is kind of why I, um, I went with the bundle, because I'm like, oh, I'm yep. getting this one for free. Yeah, I went to, with the bundle because I knew I wanted them all in one Yeah, because I'm like, I'm going to pay 15 bucks regardless. Yeah. I'm I might super well happy. get this one for free. I'm super happy, like, I have all four, and I enjoy all four. I don't know if I'm going to... I don't want that empty space. Yeah, if... <laughs> you're so OCD about that. If Flower Town was, like, a standalone thing by itself, I don't know if I would purchase it, but as part of a set, I'm very happy I did. Like, it's a cool little... It's very different from the others. Like, it's way more relaxing. Yeah, it's, it's kinda, good to have, but not... It's like the Animal Crossing of the set. Yeah. Like, if the other three are, like, normal Nintendo games, this is the Animal Crossing. Yep. I think that's a good analogy. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Warrior's Way, but we didn't really talk about how the battles play out. Rock, paper, scissors. It's literally rock, paper, scissors. They don't even try and, like, mask it. They're just like, this represents rock, and this represents And it has scissors. a little rock symbol. And yeah. Symbol. But it's really cool, because, like, like uh, Jose was saying earlier, you're battling armies of different sizes, so it's not just a matter of rock beats paper, paper beats scissor. Wait, no, rock beats... I just said that backwards. Paper beats rock, rock beats scissor, etc. It's more, um... The number of people in the army factors in. Like, if you have ten people that maybe rock, and there's two thousand people that are scissor, I don't know if you can win necessarily. No, you can't. You can't. So it is a lot. Of, like, there's that strategy. Well, you could, but if you have like way more people, yeah. So it works both ways. So even if you do have the disadvantage, you probably could win just because of your sheer numbers. Yeah. But if your numbers aren't that much different, you could still play your. Rock paper scissors to your advantage, but you don't know what your opponent is going to pick, so That's you have thing. to, like, okay, I'm going to put all my resources into this one and just send this one out first and hope that they send out their worst one last. Yeah, how it works is they'll show you the num, they'll show you that they have three pools of people, 
and they'll show you that they have like they'll give rough numbers of how big each pool of people are each pool of like soldiers is and then they'll give you the three icons of rock paper scissors but they don't tell you which number goes to which icon so you have to then divvy up your soldiers between the three icons and kind of predict what the other person will do in terms of the numbers and hope it works out and that's really where the strategy comes in because you can you know sometimes figure it out sometimes yeah. not my my strategy for now is usually just um divide up my army into two and just put both of them like yeah. one in one and one in the other and just leave the other one as zero or one yeah that's it that's and just in the other two and just hope that they win yeah that's a, that's the big thing is to make sure people don't just like go i'm just gonna rock it like totally all, everyone's gonna yeah. be rock you have to have you can only use each one once, and it has to have at least one person in it. Yeah. You can't skip one. You can't do one double. You have to use rock, paper, scissors every time and hope that the numbers match up. So this is really a game of chance, yeah. in a way, compared Slightly to... strategized chance. It's strategized chance. It's like Pokemon. I mean, yeah, it's nice because yeah. nice each of the Street Pass games are a different type of game. Like, the Flower one's collecting, Find Me's action, uh, Warrior Way's chance... And the final one, which is Monster Manor, is kind of adventuring. Like, it's cool how they, like... Each one's, like, its own genre. Like, there's no overlap, really. So, uh, the final one... I mean, was there anything else about Warrior's Way worth mentioning? I think we covered most of it. Well, I mean... I mean, Warrior's Way... Could, you could pick whether you want a medieval castle or fantasy castle or a space castle. Oh, I'm totally space castle. Yeah. Are you space castle? Yeah. I was thinking medieval, and I'm like, no, I'm from the future, not the past. I don't know what that means. It sounded good. Anyway, uh, Monster Manor is the final one of the group, and this this is the best one. it's definitely the more most like gamey of them. Or my it's a, it's the meaty. It's I mean gamey, not just in like not just in like video gamey, but also gamey like meaty. It's that double 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 word there. It's uh yeah. It's how it works is you have it's kind of like the closest. It's if Flower Town. I just said it's like seven times without finishing a sentence. If Flower Town is puzzle panel puzzle swap uh monster manor is find me like it's like a flushed out version of find me so how it works is you go into a mansion it's haunted your assistant is off somewhere being attacked by ghosts or whatever and your goal is to get to the top of the mansion so to do this you are given puzzle you're given floor pieces by the people you street pass these pieces are colored based on their shirt and they cut you can you can usually pick one two or three different configurations of floor panels and they look like tetris blocks and you're trying to lay out the floor to get to find a staircase to get to the next level of this 20 level mansion so if you put the colors together like if you put a let's say a straight line next to another straight line and they're the same color that will form a square and inside the square will be items you can collect these items you use for battles. How do you battle? Well, when you put together two colors that aren't the same, you find a, you make a doorway. And with the doorway, that's where the enemies pop out, in the doorway. And the battles look kind of like Find Me, but play out in real time. So you're actually shooting guns. Like, you hit A and whatnot, but you also have to block by using no, yeah, uh, every, the every, every time you fire a block, um, you have, like, three little battery icons. Yep. And every time you attack, you drain one of the battery icons. You have to let it refill. Yeah. So if you match the attack button three times, you won't be able to block. So you kind of have to, like, shoot, wait a little while, shoot, yeah. to wait for them to attack, and then you can kind of mash it. They being the ghosts. So, yeah. I mean, they're still, like, I don't know, it's really cool. Just, it is cool. And there's deep. also the whole strategy of uh, different could, weapons. And you could level up those weapons. Yeah. You could, this and there's so weapon much. types, and certain enemies are stronger or weak against certain weapons. There's so weapons. much to that game, it's kind of Yeah. But it's actually, I, this is the one made by Prope, which is headed by the Sonic creator, uh, Yuji Naka. It's mm. his studio. 
But, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, and then, like, there's different weapon types and different enemy types, so you can have a weapon that's strong against an enemy or weak against an enemy, and there'll be little arrows telling you which. But the, the main thing is there's the element of chance in that you don't know the shirt colors of the meters you're getting until you get them. So, like, if you're trying to get a whole bunch of items, you might not be able to do that. If you only want to fight, you won't be able to do that. You have to, and, and that works out for the best because you really need a balance of, of the two. You do have to fight. You do have to collect items in order to, you know, be able to progress properly. And, uh... Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's it really is just like a fleshed out find me. Like, it's the same core idea of, like, different me's with different shirts. They'll give you different abilities for fighting the enemy. The difference is it's now real time, and you're now playing Tetris on a floor. Yeah, they're giving you something to do between battles, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I do like how the floor look, is basically a Tetris board. Also worth mentioning, I really like the uh, Luigi's Mansion riff. The game oh, opens, yeah. the opening of the game is basically the first Luigi's Mansion opening. Up until he, your me gets inside, but I, like it's 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 great, it's so great. But yeah, that I think those are pretty much the four. Is there anything else you want to add about Monster Manor? Mm, you have a monster of a good time. It's a monstrous game. That makes sense. We'll go with monster of a good time. Yeah. yeah the, okay. So overall, I would say if you enjoy street passing at any level, go with the bundle. Get all four. They're each good in their own way. Like I said earlier, they're each their own genre. So you're getting a nice variety, and they're all very high quality, and they, you know, they have good production value. The the whole like tie-in with accomplishments and unlocking items and street pass is fun. I definitely think it's worth the fifteen dollars. What do you say? I would say so. Now, if you only had to pick one, if like you, if, if you only had five, if you only had to pick one, oh, I was gonna say just like buy three of them, but if you only had five dollars, what would be the one you get? I Monster th- Manor, just because you have the most. I feel you have the most control over it, and it's the most. You have a little bit of everything as far as like you have puzzle, you yeah. have some action, you have some minor story, you have some kind of mystery that you want to know what's out of the way at the top. Right. I mean, you, I mean yeah. you have no idea what's in like. Monster Man is the most game. I mean the, I mean the shooting one. I feel you could get your shooting fix somewhere else if you yeah. can only pick one. Yeah. And the random element of Warriors Way might be a slight turn off if it's. No. Yeah. yeah. Might be a slight turn off. Yeah, and then Flower Town is like if you're into flowers. Yeah. That, that, but here's the thing: we keep dissing Flower Town. I actually really liked it when I was I playing know, it. it. I was so it, it had kind of that same calming effect of like Animal Crossing, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. But it was fun. But yeah, no, it's definitely it's it's interesting because like I don't know if the the fact that these take like 20 minutes and the fact that they're like so deep for the most part, like I don't know if the concept of doing these was flawed or what, but like. And they're worth $5 as games, but I don't know if, like, having such lengthy street pass activities in the same place that you do puzzle swap is the right move. Oh, like, I'm very well, happy with them. I, I love them. I enjoy playing them, but I think... I almost think, like, they shouldn't be part of the... I don't know. It just feels like they're too deep for what Street Pass Plaza I is. Fine, cause, I mean, I'm probably this, overthinking this. I mean, yeah, because... Well, I don't want to say you are, but... You could say I, I mean, I mean, Street Pass Plaza, the way I see it, like, you have... Your game that you could check while you're in line on the fly, like yeah. the puzzle one, and then you have these games that you could just check when you get home, and you just yeah. want. More I guess to I'm do. just viewing it as like, well, I, I mean, want Street Pass puzzle no to all be instant. I mean, f- trying to check Animal Crossing Street Pass was a huge mistake. Oh, I didn't even bother. Like I tried once, I'm like, I just saw the amount of hazard, and I just turned back immediately. <laughs> you're like, nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I do really, like I said, I really do like these games. It's just I kept thinking when we were in line at Comic Con, I was just like. So, I can, I have all these great street pass opportunities right now, but these take so long to do. That's true. You're not going to get like, 10 and 10 I can't 10. use them to their full potential. Like, if they, like, 
I don't know. It's hey, like, it's, uh, no, it's hard I, I, to explain. I know what you mean. You're really only going to get like, basically, if you wait till you get home, you're only going to get one run with 10 people. Yep. And then Which is exactly and then what happened. And then you're stuck waiting until the next event. Yeah. Luckily, the Street Pass relay that Nintendo touched on in that Nintendo Direct made, I've talked about earlier, that kind of fixes that. Because anywhere you go that's a Nintendo Zone, AT&T stores, uh, Best Buy, Starbucks, Simon Mall. So basically, you're going to be getting malls. 10 people every time you go to Best Buy, basically? Yeah, not 10, you get one. The last person that was there. But that guarantees you're always at least going to oh. have one person everywhere you go. Which presumably means, you know, if you don't play for a few days, you can store up to three or four if you go to the right places. Yeah. Or if you work next to a Starbucks or go to school next to a Starbucks, then you can just walk by and get your street pass. So, I mean, that helps, but still, it is kind of weird to be like, I spent $15 on street pass games that I can only play when I have time to sit and actually do it. Well, everything else in Street Pass is, like, instant. With that said, though, if you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to accept the fact that you're not going to be able to do a 1,000 people with these, totally worth every penny. And with that, that's the episode. So we have one final thing to do, and that is the Pikmin 3 shirt giveaway. So, what we're going to do... First of all, if you sat with us for these whole two... And how long? 26... Two and a half hours. It's funny. Every time I think the episodes are going to get shorter, they get longer again. But this one has a good reason. It's Comic-Con. But anyway, if you saw us for those whole two and a half hours, thank you. We appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed. If you didn't and you jumped straight to the contest, well, hey, you didn't cheat or anything. Technically, you can do that. So either way, either way, uh, how's it going to work is we want to know. We talked about a whole bunch of upcoming games today. A lot that we played, some that we didn't play. Which one are you most excited about? The contest is super easy. Just leave a comment go uh, on the blog post for this episode. Go to if you're not already there. Click on episode 49, The Adventures of Comic-Con 2013, and scroll down to the comment section and just tell us which game are you most looking forward to coming out on Wii U or 3DS and why. It could be Pikmin 3 in two weeks. It could be... Uh, Bayonetta 2 in a year. Whatever it is, we're curious. And give us a, you know, give us a reason. It could be Spin the Bottle. I would like to hear... Spin the Bottle Bumpy's Party. That's its full name now. Yeah, it could be Spin the Ball. So, whatever it is, just let us know why. Uh, it doesn't have to be a long answer, just something. Just because, you know, it, it'll not, only, not only is it like a you know fun way to see what other listeners are into, but it also helps us gauge which games to go, to dive more in depth into going forward. So it's kind of, you know, it's almost like a survey of what you guys are interested in. Has kind of that double edge, or that double sidedness to it. So, yeah, just leave us a comment. We are going to pick one at random, and we'll announce it in our next episode, which will be going live on August 11th. That's post-Pikmin. The shirt, if you're curious about... The state of Mario and Luigi. Yeah, it's Mario and Luigi weekend. The shirt, if you're curious, we have a, we'll have a photo up on this blog post by, when it goes live of the shirt. But just if you want to hear an auditory description of a shirt... It's, it's... Did I? Yeah, you did. Oh. Well, scrub back to the beginning of the episode. I'll read this guy real quick. Basically, there's Pikmin on the lower third of the shirt along the side, and then there's red. a Comic-Con lo- red Pikmin. And there's a Comic-Con logo on the sleeve that says exclusive... And the back says Pikmin 3. And the back says Pikmin 3, and it's navy blue. It's pretty cool, what actually. Size? Uh, medium. So hopefully that fits. If not, you, you can still it? win it and gift it or sell it on eBay, because they're probably going to go for something decent, because it's exclusive. But anyway, so yeah, leave a comment. Let us know what you think of what game you're most excited about. And while you're leaving a comment, feel free to also tell us what you think of the episode as a whole, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. We, we, you know, we appreciate any and all feedback. Um, yeah, so that, we'll have that, like I said, winner on August 11th. Until then, keep an eye on RamTel.com. We, uh, if you haven't already looked at it, we have an extra with 70 
Over 70 photos from Comic-Con. It's a whole gallery. Uh, Comic-Con 2013 in photos is the name of the extra. It's directly next to this post if you look on the homepage. And it's a lot of photos. If you want to see me posing with Bill Trennan, you can. If you want to see me posing with uh, Ko- Kojima, you can. If you want to see Jose posing with the Ace Attorney dudes, you can. If you want to see Jose holding giant Monster Hunter weapons for no apparent reason, that too. Or if you just want to look at a pirate ship with an Assassin's Creed logo. There's tons. Like, literally, I can list them all off, but that'd be stupid. Yeah, so, there's a picture of my brother high-fiving a Pikachu, but you can't see my brother. Yeah, he's not, yeah. He, I cropped <laughs> it out. He, no, that's just or how, it, Yeah, that's yeah, yeah it was cropped out, I meant. Yeah. You just see the hand. That Pikachu picture, by the way, is excellent. Like, you can see the fuzz. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. We'll have another extra coming up next week uh, in the gap between this episode and the one on August 11th. Easiest way to make sure you don't miss our August 11th episode, which will also include full impressions of Pikmin 3, uh, full impressions of Earthbound, hopefully impressions of Flipnote Studio 3D, which is supposedly launching around August 1st. That's when it's hanging in Europe, and supposedly the same in America. So hopefully that, plus all the latest news. So that episode with all that stuff, easiest way to make sure you don't miss it, and make sure you know if you're a winner. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. That's also where we post our extras, so you can catch up with those pre- so you can get to those pretty easily. You can follow us individually for our wonderful insights on gaming and other things that you may or may not care about. I'm JSR7, Jose Zuero, that's W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I will spell it till the end of time. And we're also on Meverse. Come hang out with us on Meverse. Let's, 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 let's yeah each other's posts all day. I'm, <laughs> I'm Jason R, and he is Wero, same spelling as before. And I think that pretty much does it. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, I look both of us look forward to seeing what games you're looking forward to in the fall and beyond, and good luck with the Pikmin 3 contest.